Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at gofundme.com slash f slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon Ah, 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 ah. a truce bruce as long as you have this card a truce but all you have to do is tear it in half and i'm happy to discuss with you any way you'd like why you said a boy wonder do a man's job. You know, it's funny you would talk about people who died in my arms. Because when I held Harley Quinn, and she was bleeding and dying, she begged me with her last breath that when I killed you, and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you, that I will uh, Whoa, 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 I, now here, Brucey. What? I'm your best friend, and I gotta say... I don't think good guys say those dirty words like you just did. What do you think, Deathstroke? Man, let me tell you what, that is some crazy shit. Fucking Batman saying fuck, that's my job. Hold on a second. I am in a trench coat, I have a submachine gun in my hands, and you draw the line at me saying fuck? Oh, good lordy, said it again. I'm gonna have some beef with that one. You guys want to play some Dungeons & Dragons and just kind of figure this out? We're not- I told you before and I'll tell you again, Slade. We are not playing Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, man. Look, shit just got real with the world. I'm not fucking around Oh, right again, here. man. Would Can you, you believe this joke? Can you stop stopping me when I'm L- trying to talk? Look here, you don't want no beef. You don't want no beef with me. But, Brucey, you're saying the F word. That's like the dirtiest word you can say. And I gotta say, I'm not gonna give you the reach around anymore if you're gonna have a dirty sailor mouth like that! Joker, you literally killed a child, and this is where you're drawing the line. I'm just pointing this out. This does not make any sense. I never had that kind of naughty language, even when I was beating old Robin there with a crowbar. 
you know what? I've made a 180. I'm back on Batman's side. You, you can't be killing kids, Jokey. That's fucking ridiculous. Oh, come on. Did you see his suit? He wasn't a boy or a child. He was a 45-year-old man. His package would make you think otherwise, but no, it's still a bit too young. You gotta wait and see. Slade. Yeah. Slade, I don't know how you know that about Robin's package. It kind of disturbs me. It's right out there. It's like fucking um, David Bowie in Labyrinth, basically. It's You just can't, you can't stop looking at it. Ah, 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 everybody knows about his package. It's out there for the world to see. You can't run around and... Heights like that, and uh, not draw a little attention there, Brucey. All right, fine. If I stop swearing, will you follow me to safety so that Superman doesn't find us? Yes, and as long as you got my card, uh, I think we can do business together. Whoa, you guys are like friends now? This is like some weird stuff, dude. I'm teaming up with you, and we had a whole thing against each other that nobody saw. Yeah, but I didn't kill a fucking kid. True. You don't understand, Deathstroke. We're not just friends. We're super friends. <laughs> Feels like I've heard that one before, but all right. Are you sure you don't want to be a third level mage or a fifth level dark elf? There's Superman right there. Aha! There you little fuckers are. I've been looking all over the fucking place for you. Fuck! Well, goddammit. What is this world coming to? Looks like we're gonna have to start being the good guys around here, Strokey. <laughs> Strokey and Jokey. Singing karaoke. <laughs> well, fuck. The Justice League has assembled for our final part of Zack Snyder's Justice League, Snyder vs. Whedon. It is I, once again, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me, as usual, is my co-host, Andrew. It is I, everyone, and with this, children, we shall conclude our tutelage on this movie, finally. <laughs> it only took us five parts. Thank you, Batman. <laughs> joining us once again is Zack. Hello, kitties, it's your old Uncle Jojo, and I bought all three of you a special gift. My presence this afternoon. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, and there are four, not three. There was no Justice League discussion without him. He went to the Fortress of Solitude, and now he's back. It's Dustin Lee Massey. <laughs> back from the dead with the shaved head, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and can't miss the epilogue, right? That's my wheelhouse yes. right now. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. That's right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we left off at, uh, Dustin, you were not here because you were recovering from the resurrection, but Snyder was at 36. We didn't, we're still at 1.5. We didn't give him any new points since the last time. No, point, no points at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we are going to close this out by going into the last, five, last two parts. Part six, something darker, and part seven, uh, a father twice over, which is the epilogue. So let's get right to it. For some sections that will be called open floor, where it's just like very minor differences that we'll just cover for a little bit. If you have something to chime in about, that's cool. But the formal Snyder versus Whedon is where we'll break down and do the round table where everybody gets to chime in in terms of their thoughts on what was better. Though I think we all know what was better. Anyway, open floor. Superman arrives in Smallville. This is the beginning of chapter six. In both versions, Clark takes Lois there and he says, this is home. And in the Snyder version, Lois says, you spoke. And he says, did I not before? 
in the Whedon cut because of the fact that Clark had spoken during the previous fight in the Heroes Park. They ADR'd a line where Amy Adams says, quote, you smell good. And Clark says, did I not before? This is inane. <laughs> You could have just cut the part where Clark said, this is home, if you didn't want to have that continuity issue, if you really needed to cut those lines. According to a recent interview of assistant editor Carlos Castillon, this line almost made it into the Snyder Cut by mistake until Deborah Snyder caught it. So, thank God for that, because wow. it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, so, Damn. in the Snyder version... Thanks, Deborah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she's def- she absolutely... I don't think she gets enough credit, but she's, you know, Zach credits her as being, you know, his partner, not just in life and romantically but also in these movies and stuff so she's executive producer baby yep so in the snyder version we see more of the kent farm lois gives clark his shirt and clark reminisces about his time and you get sort of the zoom out and you see the swing set that was in man of steel as the man of steel music plays very poignant very nostalgic and of course joss whedon cuts it so (laughs) on to snyder versus whedon the batcave scene we have two very different versions of the batcave scene in across the movies in the snyder version batman brings the team into the cave for the first time and they meet alfred who decides to you know whip up some tea they strategize they're going to russia emphasizing that this is an abandoned area due to all the radiation and cyborg talks about being willing to sacrifice himself to destroy the mother boxes batman pep talks everyone he doesn't care how many worlds steppenwolf's defeated he's never fought all of them united Pretty badass, short, sweet scene. The Whedon cut, however, is completely different. In this version, Aquaman throws a tantrum and destroys Batcave equipment and accuses Cyborg of being with the enemy and not being able to control himself. Flash brings up that he's hungry because his blood sugar is low, which is weird because it's never paid off, whereas in the Snyder cut, it's never said that he's hungry in the Batcave, but then we see him eat later, so there's like this weird thing when you watch both versions. Uh, Wonder Woman encourages Cyborg to find the Mother Box's location as Batman tries to ask uh, Aquaman if he can put out some feelers in the aquatic community and just flat out ask him, you do uh, talk to fish, right? As a kind of a uh, way to inject some humor there. We then get a scene of Wonder Woman helping out Batman to set his broken shoulder back after Superman beat him. Wonder Woman inexplicably dons a sash for the scene that some say is because uh, a body double was Wonder Woman during the scene where she sets the the uh, bone in and they just had a CG Gal Gadot's face in and if that's true then again that is better CG than what they did to Henry Cavill's face in the <laughs> Whedon cut it's a sash in the Snyder cut too she's not wearing a sash in the Snyder cut okay no okay, I'm like in the Snyder cut. okay I got yeah, you yeah. alright I'm sorry yeah yeah because there's no scene like that she, she was just in the back cave of her in the Wonder Woman outfit oh yeah 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 uh, it seems like this in the Whedon version was some attempt at a Wonder Bat scene for the shippers. Uh, Batman is also a lot more self-deprecating here, where he's just like, I can barely do my job, that type of thing, as opposed to the one in the Snyder Cut, where he's just like, I don't care how many hells he's conquered. So that's cool. Uh, Wonder Woman admits that she's been doing more hiding than leading, which does give her sort of her own arc for Whedon's version, and that she feels responsible for leading people to their deaths due to what happened to her and to what happened to Steve Trevor after the events of Wonder Woman 1. So... A little bit more Wonder Woman focused as opposed to the Snyder version, which is very much focused on Cyborg and Batman rousing the troops. So anyway, let's go around to thoughts on Snyder versus Whedon on this stuff, starting with Dustin. Uh, wasn't there still like some sort of like interaction uh, in the Snyder Cut 2 between uh, Bruce and Diana though, with the, the mouse, right? Like they both like grabbed. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, that... an earlier part, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I felt like it was like still trying to make that kind of like loose connection. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I did think that there was something interesting about the Whedon scene in terms of, like, Diana, like, um, seeing something in Bruce because he's, like, the only, like, normal guy of the bunch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's just, like, beaten up. Uh, and she, I don't think she ever, like, really stops to think about it until she sees, like, him, like, you know, bruised. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that was kind of, like, a, a good moment um like in the movie that develops character um mm-hmm. but other than that um and and also kind of like showing that human side of batman but other than that True. um overall everything you know was much better in the snyder cut but i did like that little you know moment in the weeding cut mm-hmm. nice zach well don't you dismiss self-deprecating batman <laughs> <laughs> I know you hate this aspect, yeah. I gotta say, though, Dustin did sell me a little bit now on the idea of, um, uh, you know, Diana seeing Bruce as the only uh, non-superpowered member of the Justice League and kind of mm-hmm. taking that into account and as a realization. So I guess we could maybe give Whedon one one tiny point there, but I forgot about Aquaman tearing shit up in the Batcave and, and, and yeah. all this stuff <laughs> happening that just didn't make any sense, so... I'm glad mm-hmm. I, I that didn't happen. Um, so of course the Snyder versions is his version is stronger a, as usual, as we yeah. spoke about throughout the series. Andrew, I mean it's Snyder again, but what what are so what are the major what's the major differences here again between the focus. two differences? Focus. I mean the Whedon one is all about Wonder Woman and talking to Batman, and there's okay. not really a scene like that in the Batcave in, in the other version where it's about Cyborg and his uh, willingness to sacrifice himself in order to go inside the mother boxes and save the world. And low blood. Okay, so he removed he removed focus once again from Cyborg here. Right, because all it is in the Whedon version is just like, you know, Wonder Woman being like, I believe in you, Victor. You can find the mother boxes, but it's very oh, 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 forgettable. Oh, but isn't there the part two where, like, Bruce is talking to Diana, and he's like, I was sitting right here. And he was like, There was. At- it's a later scene. Yeah, it's okay, a later scene. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry. I was excited. About no, that's fine. That. No, that's okay. I gotta say, did um, I don't remember. Did Cyborg's dad? Did Silas sacrifice himself in the Whedon cut? I don't think so. Never. Nope. nope. Okay. He's still right. alive at the end. So yeah. that's probably why that focus is on Cyborg in the Snyder cut is because that that just happened. So I think that's yeah. probably why it's more important. I honestly didn't remember if that happened or not in the theatrical cut. So um, yeah. It was too emotionally uh, charged. It was too good of a scene <laughs> to put into there. You're going to get to that at the end of this episode, I think. <laughs> Why would he make all these decisions? Right. It would be yes. really bad and just be like, I didn't remember Silas at all in the weeding cut. <laughs> Not at all? I remember he him didn't... being there. <laughs> yeah. He barely had a role to... Yeah. I mean, I can't blame Dustin. You know, he barely they barely yeah. explored that relationship outside of, like, two scenes. Yeah. Well, it's Snyder, everybody. All right, yeah. So I would <laughs> That's agree. my commentary. <laughs> Batman, Batman is a lot more badass. Cyborg takes center stage with his sacrifice. It's nice seeing Alfred mean the rest of the Justice League, which we didn't really get in the Whedon cut. Uh, I did wonder, there is a picture going around uh, that was going on before the Snyder Cut was released of Bruce talking to Alfred in the Batcave. He's unmasked and with a Batsuit on, and Alfred's there, but in the background is the armored Batsuit from BVS just sort of hanging there. 
uh, it seems like there was going to be a scene. Some say that's a scene where Batman talks a little bit more about how he had been killing people beforehand and how like it's important for him to redeem himself. But we didn't get that scene, and that promo pic comes from somewhere, and it's not in the Snyder Cut. So release that cut, Snyder. I want to see that scene. <laughs> that's right. Come on, man. Uh, but uh, I do say I, I agree with Dustin that I do like the sort of Wonder Woman aspect, more so than the Batman aspect, of that scene where she uh, helps him out, as well as the just general idea of her having to sort of step out of the shadows a little more in the Whedon version. So I guess we could give like 0.5 to weed it well, it's the final episode well, it's the final episode remember so we all we kind of have to make this a little he's bit he's catching of up sure <laughs> he's I guess. got a shot sure uh, Snyder still wins out so that's Snyder 37 weed in 2 because he was at 1.5 so it's weed in 2 okay back to oh, <laughs> back to nice. the next part coming in strong <laughs> so finishing strong <laughs> Next part is the scene between Clark and Lois where we got the reunion in the Smallville field. So uh, Snyder has a scene where that was in the trailer that was of the movie back in 2017 where Clark is just like in the field and he's just like, I take that as a yes. And she's like, what? And he's like, the ring because of the ring from BVS. Uh, great moment, not in, not in the Whedon version. Snyder has also a beautiful shot of Clark playing with a butterfly on his hands and uh this is actually an echo to man of steel because in man of steel there was a shot of a butterfly caught in the, the chains of a sw- of a swing and so it's almost symbolic right, of like right. the butterfly was trapped back in the time when he was young and he couldn't use his powers and now like he's back from the dead he's superman like he's more free uh so it's a great moment uh whedon has different dialogue that sort of I guess is trying to explain why he cut the scene where Clark is not in the Kent home because he said that he he didn't want to spend time in the house because he just got out of a wooden box and so he didn't want to be in another one and then he talks about how death felt quote itchy and weird in so many ways it's really awkward humor oh my so, god I forgot about that that's yeah. terrible and Lo- Lois talks about how he wouldn't be proud of her because she wasn't her usual self and he sort of comforts her and said quote I'm the idiot who left uh, this could be a touching moment if you know, Cavill's face didn't look creepy as fuck doing it because of his 50... It's like the bottom half is still really... Especially when he smiles and he's just like, yes, ma'am. It's just like, that just doesn't look right. Um, Martha arrives and they reunite. Whedon has Clark say a line where he says, ah, you called mom, explaining that Lois was what called uh, Martha. Snyder's version does not have that, but we can assume the same happened because, you know, Lois and Martha are in contact with each other. I'm not going to give a point to Whedon for just that. Uh, but Whedon cut everything after the reunion. He just hugs his mom, and that's about it, as opposed to in uh, the Snyder cut where he says, like, they brought me back for a reason. Like, he tells them, like, I have to go. In the Whedon version, it's Lois who tells Clark, I have to send you back in that. So it's kind of more Clark in the Snyder version making that decision as opposed to Lois sort of reminding him in the Whedon version. So uh, those are the two different versions of the reunion. Let's go around. Dustin. First of all, I gotta say, uh, WB had to have, like intentionally been trying to like torpedo the movie with that yes. CGI. Yeah. Like, holy, I mean, there's guys that could do better CGI with deep fakes in their basement. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. There was uh, somebody that did that. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like a hundred, hundred times better. You know, just like yeah. I'm like, come on, man! It, 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 you'll never convince me that wasn't intentional to make him look so bad. Right. Like, there's just no way. <laughs> um, and the other thing too, like the butterfly scene, the butterfly was yellow, right? 
um, and uh, yellow I, or orange. Yeah. Um, to, well, yeah. and the and the thing for me, and I know like Zack Snyder's like his films, like in Superman in general, is filled with like this religious, you know, symbolic, you know, meaning or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's tied to Christianity or whatever. But like for me, I'd also like to think that. You know, you think about um, symbolist painters like Van Gogh and Paul Gauguin, and they associated yellow with spirituality and the life cycle of Christ. And they would say different colors would line up with harvest cycles. So, like, um, yellow would be associated with, like, uh, you know, spirituality and rebirth. So, like, I also think that there was, like, not only just emphasis on the butterfly, but it, like, you know, zooms in on it a lot. And it's like this yellow, so I think that was like somehow tied to spirituality as well and the rebirth. Um, I'd like to think that, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't be. put it past Snyder. Yeah, it could. Yeah, be. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. You know, and and it's like little things like that where it's like I'm really trying to make this moment mean something, right? Um, yeah. And the other thing I would say, too, is, like, the comment about, like, oh, you smell good, and everybody's, like, wondering, like, why we even said that. She could be under the assumption that maybe you'd smell bad after being dead for a while. So. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? right. So, like, oh, we just don't right. need to call attention to that. You definitely smell better than I think you would. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but overall, just like just all the little details, I really feel like um, yep. he's trying to like really have something surface level, but then also something deeper. Like if you if you really want it to be there for you, right? So definitely, mm-hmm. yep. Zach, I think even the awkward dialogue aside, the the change from having the terrible CGI upper lip is a big plus, and I know that was that's an unshakable. Thing for just about everybody when they watch that movie is you just can't yep. you can't unsee it it's a uh, I was thinking earlier how uncomfortable it made us and uh it's like the uncanny valley uh, yeah. of people that just yeah. are uh, you know put off by things that are almost human but just a little bit off and I think that's what it is and it's he just looks so weird and yes the the change in dialogue just wasn't for the better so you're probably right it probably was a uh, conscious effort to just make things weird. And this particular scene is not one that I felt like they they thought should be injected with humor. You know, this is the first time that they're seeing each other since his death, yeah. which mm-hmm. apparently has left such an impact not only on Lois, but the world at large in Whedon's version. And you're yeah. going to, like, fill it up with some awkward, like, yuck-yuck humor, and it just doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't work. It doesn't come off. And to, to talk for him, his only mention about his experience being dead was that it was itchy and felt weird. That's so bizarre. Like, I, it's, it's just like there's no uh, resonance whatsoever with his experience. You want so it's like, like an well, afterlife kind of thing, or like I saw a white light, I saw Kryptonian. I don't in the know. Sky. Even, Maybe just don't cover it. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah like Snyder, I don't think they, they didn't say anything at all about like well, what was it like being dead. It just was. That's not important. But the yeah. fact that they touched on that and and then tried to make a joke out of it was just so bizarre. It makes light of the whole crux of them bringing him back to life in the first place. I don't know. It just feels weird to kind of just. It's ham-fisted as, as everything else is. Yeah. 
Andrew. Okay, so the dialogue change. It feels like to me, Whedon is like in this almost the same vein as um, Kevin Smith and Tarantino in the sense that dialogue is really, really important for him. Uh, but he's better at action than he, than Kevin Smith is, obviously. Whedon did do Avengers 1 and 2. There's action sequences in those. We have to give him points for those movies, especially first Avengers. Um, and, but I, I, you know, it seems like that's like the main thing you wanted to change in this movie was like, you want to change like all the dialogue probably. And Snyder is... I mean, look at the society line, you know, with Joker. Yeah, I mean, it's I know, not even in there. I know, I know Terrio wrote it. I know Terrio wrote, wrote it, but it's like Snyder had to okay it. And so, I don't know. I feel like Snyder notices dialogue less or something. I don't know what it is, but him. But in this case, the Whedon dialogue is worse. Uh, and yeah. what Snyder did was better. So it's just kind of a strange thing there. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, it's just awkward dialogue, like everybody else has been saying. It's not as yeah. good as the Snyder version again. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it just comes down to this was a real, like, you know, passion-filled, heart-wrenching time of Snyder's life. And he puts that into this movie. Mm-hmm. And Whedon just comes on to what he viewed as a sinking ship. You know, and he th- probably probably... I don't know. I wasn't there, but he probably saw himself as the captain to steer out of the storm. Right. And um, that didn't happen. So. Yep. I would. Uh, yeah, that's definitely an interesting point that Whedon is kind of known for that. And yet this is not necessarily his time to shine, as you can see either right. with the dialogue or with the CG face. There's definitely more of an emotional weight, as I keep saying throughout all of this series about this movie, emotional weight to this scene versus the in the Whedon cut, especially the part where he's just like, you know, they brought me back for a reason. You know, he yeah. could just settle down with Lois here, but he knows that that can't happen. He knows he has to be Superman. He knows he has to go back into the scout ship and, and get a suit back and, and be side by side with Diana and Bruce and all that. So I think that's sort of a poignancy to that as well as just getting to reunite with Martha because that's the first time he's seen her since before she was kidnapped in BVS you know got talking a little bit more to Lois so anyway point obviously goes to Snyder on this one that's Snyder 38 Whedon 2 anyway this is a on clear, clear Snyder victory on this, <laughs> on this point uh, very clear unlike the last one we gave Whedon a point right yes uh, next one is the team going up into the ship so in the Snyder Cut, Arthur is talking about how he thinks they're putting too much pressure on Cyborg to save everyone. We're talking about how we're, talk- we're asking a kid who just lost his father to save the world and everything. And Flash is just like, I thought you didn't care. And then Momoa has like this moment where he's just like, I never said that. And I think it's a great uh, moment from Momoa, just very understated moment as well as feeds into Arthur's arc about really caring for other people. Because this started out, one of, like, one of his big lines in the beginning is just like, I don't owe anyone anything, that type of thing. Uh, this is the moment that Dustin was talking about where Bruce is like just sitting at the console with a bat computer and is just like, I remember I saw this vision and Barry Allen was right there. And, you know, I think there's something darker coming, which finally p- pays off that nightmare sequence from 2016. So it only took Warner Brothers five years <laughs> to show us a little bit more of a payoff of that. Uh, so in yeah. the Whedon version, obviously the Whedon version completely ignores the nightmare stuff entirely it's all basically just exposition we gotta go to russia cyborg found the location 
There's uh, a family in Russia. There's a family too, you know. So it's not a radio radioactive area. There's now there's people there, and then Flash is like, they are under they, a table. Why would they be there? Yeah, Flash is like, why would people be there? And Aquaman is just like, well, just because people have nowhere else to go. So because our directors have changed, you idiot. Oh wait, yes. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Yes. So uh, Bruce says transport won't fly us too that fast, and Cyborg's like, they will for me. So that's the only time in the Whedon cut where it's indicated that Cyborg is going to sort of fix the flying fox so that they can go from Gotham to Russia in time. In the original Snyder cut, that's not how it segues into it. It's Alfred who's reading the back computer and he says, you know, Master Bruce, you have to see this. And then they're all going up to the flying fox and uh, Cyborg reveals that he fixed it and that uh, flight is its nature. And Batman says, yours too. Which kind of has this nice little analogy between Cyborg and Flying Fox, uh, the Flying Fox ship where they both kind of get to finally fly in a way towards the end is a sort of metaphor where they're grounded throughout and then they finally get to take off. It's the Flying the Fox's so nice. character arc. <laughs> flying Fox's character arc too. This. <laughs> even He's the goddamn one. ship has Even the, the ship has a character stuff. arc in this Snyder picture. It's amazing. And then to continue the arcs, Batman's like, he'll be here, Alfred, I know it, in terms of Superman. And then he says he knows that because of faith. In the Whedon cut, he cuts that entirely and it's just Batman just going into the ship. <laughs> He's walking up a ladder and that's he just it. Walks, that's it. Yeah, there's like no dialogue in that whole thing in the weeded version. All right. Uh, oh, Dustin. Man. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, like, I, everybody already knows, like, I was, like, super excited for this scene because I just couldn't wait to get to it, right? But just the fact that there is, like, so much planning, right? And it does, like, tie back yeah. into you know, the previous films and then gives you insight into like what is going to come, like what is going to happen. And like, you mm -hmm. know, we know that they had a, a very large ambitious plan, you know, mapped out. Uh, and the other thing I love about that whole scene too, is just like the shot when it's like taking off and they're like above the water and you can see like the, um, uh, mm. the Wayne Manor and stuff like that and how it's like coming up from like underground like I thought like all of that stuff was like super cool and just a little bit more insight into you know you know Batman's world because um, yeah. we want to explore that more obviously right uh, mm. uh, hashtag make the Batfleck film <laughs> yes. yeah. that's true that Deathstroke I want to see the Deathstroke more than Batman in that picture <laughs> yeah if yeah, I'm so honest yeah, so definitely <laughs> Snyder, just because, like, I mean, it mm -hmm. just ties everything together, and, yeah. you know, we see the big picture, like, coming into play, obviously. Yep. Zach? Oh, I don't know. I think Whedon's got something <laughs> here. <laughs> he's, he's on to something. No, I mean, it's just like we've been saying. The Snyder version is, is definitely superior here as well. And, of course, I do like that they actually uh, make a connection to the nightmare scene, and flat and him remembering the flash was right there so yeah. that's i think that's that's important to link those two movies together um and that you get a little bit more of cyborg having that arc i think that's really important because again i think the movie does center around him quite mm -hmm. a bit uh despite yep. what the theatrical cut would show i think it's important for him um and as far as the flying fox goes i do i'll bring something up later that I don't know if it's a continuity error or maybe I just missed something. So I'll wait till we get to Mother Russia and uh, we'll talk about it. Mother yeah. <laughs> yeah. Russia. Something happens and I'm a little iffy on the status of the ship. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's I just, oh, it's, yeah. it's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Andrew. 
I agree with everything you guys said. The main thing I want to talk about is why do you think Momoa says that? Um, I never said I didn't care. I think that's an interesting point to bring up. Um, is it because he's it's, he in his mind he doesn't? It's not that he doesn't care. It's just that he doesn't want to choose right now or something. Like, what exactly do you think is going on in Aquaman's head here? Well, he he is still helping in the beginning. He's helping right. the that village in the beginning, but he's not really connected to them. Like, he doesn't consider them necessarily family he stands up for them but it's not like he's buddy buddy with anybody there he just goes right back into the water after you know bruce says his piece on that so he's not really connected to anybody he talks about how he doesn't owe anybody anything and i think his arc in this movie is about uh reconnecting in some way or being pushed nudged a little further into reconnecting to eventually go into the aquaman aquaman movie to complete his arc about taking the throne back and, and this is about that because uh there's definitely he's emotionally affected by the fact that cyborg loses his dad probably even more so than batman ironically in yeah. this where he's just like yeah, this is our fault that this happened to this kid and and uh it's why his final line in the movie is i have to go see my dad right you notice right, that right, right. like he, he yeah. says that um so and he says that to mara and volko so kind of sees that like okay he's he's coming around to the idea um, there's also that line from Wonder Woman that she says to him in the cemetery at Smallville where she's like, you know, hate is useless because he hates Atlanteans. And she's like, hate is useless. So I think he's, it's about him setting that aside. It's about him sort of accepting that there are, that he can be a hero and that he can, he can do these things for other people and he can connect because he's so used to being disconnected uh, in a way. So I think, uh, I think he has a very, like it's not a huge character arc because it's mainly to set up it's his something, Aquaman movie. Yeah. But it yeah. is interesting. It's definitely more <laughs> exploration than the weed and cut. Right. Yeah, it's definitely more there. Yeah. Go ahead. I would say it's also interesting, too, though, right? Because he's also bitter and has mommy issues, right? (laughs) It's like what we're really looking at. Just like the other guy. He's got mommy issues, right? And he's bitter because Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't know what happened, right? Like she left and never came back, and there's no resolution yet. That's correct. um, mm-hmm. He's just a you know a bitter person that I think that's eaten at him for years, right? So that's that's part right. of why you're you're disconnected, and it's, it's not that I don't care. I just feel like nobody cares about me, right? So ah, mm. uh, you that's think that? Point. See, that's that's what I was thinking. Like, what would be in the parentheses there? It's not that I don't care. In parentheses, I'm just on my own path right now. Is that kind of kind how of, you would fill yeah. that in? Like that's that's how I that's how easiest way for me to understand that, mm-hmm. but but yeah, this is the kind of I love talking about that. Like, what do they mean by that line? Like, a lot of people think that's too much, mm-hmm. but not people listen to this podcast, I, mean, it, I guess. It's a, gr- it's, it's a great moment. It's it's honestly yeah. one of my favorite Aquaman moments of the entire movie. It's it is just that part. It is great. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Of course, Snyder again. Um, by the way, if you've gotten this far and still don't understand what we're talking about with character arcs. <laughs> Just a real quick explanation. Like with Thor 1, he essentially goes from arrogant to not arrogant. It's what the character goes through throughout the movie. So that's a quick explanation. So, All right. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, if, you, if you've gone this far without knowing what a character arc is, I, you haven't been paying attention. There's to probably somebody out there. Yeah. I think this is... I, I just love all the different things that feel new to me, even though it's technically the first version 
Uh, all, oh, of right. all this, whether it's right. the Aquaman, uh, the little character moment of Aquaman, or Bruce calling back to the Nightmare Vision, or Cyborg fixing the Flying Fox, or Batman, even you know telling Alfred about Faith uh, in that moment, and sort of he knows like he he was been a guy who was just like you know we have to if there's a one percent chance this alien is our enemy we have to you know kill him, and then in this version he's just like no I know he's going to show up because we he's he's back right uh, I know that he's going to help us oh. out. And I think that's it's great, and there's like there's so many different character things happening at once in this, and I think that's really like we've given we gave you know Terry a little bit of a crap in BVS for the stuff that we didn't like, but here it's like he and Snyder really shine. Like this is this is where you get like the true craft of what they were doing or were intending to do before studio interference uh, on that stuff, or even with studio interference that they were able to manage manage to do on that. So. Obviously, Snyder 39, Whedon 2. Uh, next bit is going to be just an open floor where Steppenwolf unites the mother boxes and he creates the unity. So in the Snyder version, he, he unites them and that alerts the Amazons. They you know, can sense that it's happening. The Atlanteans, so we get another moment with Mera and Volko. Alfred is pouring himself some liquor because he decides, you know, this might be the end of the world, so I might as well drink. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. And uh, Steppenwolf... Steppenwolf talks about how his redemption is nigh. While in the Whedon cut, Steppenwolf puts it together, and the main reactions we see is that the Russian area suddenly has these weird CG growths that start popping up. And uh, Whedon Steppenwolf says, quote, Praise to the mother of all horrors. Get it? Mother of all okay. horrors? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's great, more, uh, more puntastic stuff right there. Obviously, that point's going to go automatically to Snyder. I don't think we need to go around the room Dumb. for that one. The, so that's Snyder 40, Whedon 2. I do want to note, I, as I went through more and more of this, I just realized uh, almost all of Steppenwolf's dialogue is different in both versions. There's maybe like one or two lines that Kieran Hines did not have to like record, re-record or anything like that. It's really weird watching both because it's, it's, it's never, he almost never says the same thing across both versions. So that's interesting uh, to me. So no we'll arc whatsoever. Back to arcs, yeah. but no arc whatsoever, <laughs> right, with Steppenwolf in the Whedon one. It's not really, other than just the general thing of going from being powerful to being taken out at the end. So Get out uh, from under that table, you Russian family. Snyder versus Whedon on the next part. So the next part is on the team strategizing in the Flying Fox, what they're going to do when they get there. Uh, in both versions, it's up to Victor to take apart the boxes. And I didn't realize that it was in both versions until I rewatched for the, this podcast, the Whedon version. They actually do talk about, like, it's up to Victor uh, to do this. However, it's just obviously not given the same emotional weight, given the, all the stuff that's set up earlier on that. Uh, also, there's a different strategy in the Snyder Cut. It's all about Barry running around to to create the charge so that Cyborg can go into the boxes, as opposed to the Whedon version where it's just like, Victor, you just have to pull, pry these three boxes apart. Uh, in the Whedon version, there's an added part for humor. I can already tell that Zach's about to groan about this one. Uh, Aquaman <laughs> has a whole speech about thinking, you know, honestly, I think we're all going to die. And uh, we don't know what we're doing. And then admits to having a crush on Wonder Woman. Uh, and uh, this, the idea of Aquaman having a crush on Wonder Woman isn't actually new. That was in the comics where... He, uh, they were in the water together, and his foot accidentally got caught in the lasso of truth, and he confessed his crush on her uh, in the JLA 80-page giant story Revelations by Christopher Priest. But the same thing happens here uh, with the lasso of truth, and uh, he threatens anybody who uh, is going to give him shit about this. So that's some added humor 
into a moment leading up to the final battle. Anyway, Snyder versus Whedon. Snyder has the strategy stuff. Whedon has basically ends with this humorous speech from Momoa. What do you guys think? Starting with Dustin. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's necessarily the part, the part to uh, insert um, <laughs> humor. Um, and, and it's also getting ready to lead up to, you know, the whole thing that, I mean, this is getting ready to really just, like, roll out this idea that um, Flash and Cyborg, like, were just the movie, right? Like, they were so, yep. such a big part, uh-huh. right? And they're laying out, like, what's going to get happen. And they were just like worthless in the other version, right? Like we're gonna go, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna cut you Pretty completely much. out just to like insert humor. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously it's just like ridiculous um, that they chopped it up like that at all. Yep. So yeah, definitely Snyder. Zach, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. I remember that part. I remember watching that in the theater and thinking yep. how stupid that was. Again, that. That led me to dislike Aquaman for a long period of time. This version of Aquaman, uh, just because he has know, a crush just... on Wonder Woman. No, just the I don't know. It's just the way that his personality is portrayed in the Whedon version. It's just so mm. like I don't know. It was lame, and just like Dustin said, it's an inappropriate moment to insert humor when we should be feeling uncertain about what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, as characters, they should be getting ready for what's happening too. what's going to happen, because Mm -hmm. if they fail, you know, uh, the world is doomed. But it's just, I don't know, it's the, I get that that's like what his thing is, Whedon's thing is, is inserting humor. And it just is not organic in this film, obviously, because it's not his material that he came up Mm -hmm. with. So it just... Right. Almost every bit of humor feels forced. Uh, that is yeah. that is an addition from him. Mm-hmm. Andrew, I laughed in the theater. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did laugh at this scene with Momoa. I don't think mm-hmm. it's better than what Snyder put in, but I, I don't know. Like Momoa going off like that was was kind of funny to me. I got to <laughs> be honest. Um, mm-hmm. What they're going to do as far as Aquaman liking. Wonder Woman, that sets up a whole domino effect, doesn't it? Uh, <clears throat> oh, remember they have an affair in Flashpoint, the comic. Oh, right. Yeah. So maybe he was going for that. Maybe. And it's still fucking canon right now, but I bet you that'll change. There's no way Snyder versus become canon, I think. Um, too much too much goddamn support online, everybody. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we'll see, I guess. But, yeah, um, we'll see. But yeah, Snyder again. What can I say? With strategy, they're going over strategy in the Snyder version, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. On yeah. how to uh, go to Darkseid or Seven Wolf's base. Is that what what is what it was again? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the nuclear the facility. Battle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Snyder, of course. What are you, are you kidding me over here? <laughs> <laughs> that is Snyder forty one weed in two. I mean, obviously, I agree. I think the Aquaman humorous moment could work at a different time. Yeah earlier not right before the final battle because the final it just feels like okay what are the what are the stakes here <laughs> you know if we can just do it right now as opposed to like maybe earlier so Snyder 41 weed in 2 the next part is when Clark gets his new suit and that's the black superman oh, suit yeah and it's a great moment narration we get narration from his two dads so we got some added dialogue from both Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner uh, on this there's not really any dialogue explaining the black 
suit or people reacting to the fact that he's in a black suit. However, I would say that's probably because it was changed to black in post. Cavill was on Cavill on set was wearing the classic blue and red the whole time. So uh, I I think that was kind of the best that they could do, short of maybe at doing some ADR line of Batman reacting to the black suit or something. But I don't that's think right. That might not really have been necessary, but I think some people brought up, like, there's not really an explanation for the black suit. And I'm just like, I get it, but I kind of already kept in mind, like, this, this was changed in post. So, there's aliens like, coming down and the whole world's really going to shit. It, like, how much are you going to care about? The, oh, your suit's a different color, you know? I don't the know. The fact he's in a black suit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, though, that it does, like, I do kind of wish when you see the JL lineup. Uh, that it does like the part of me is just like eh, I kind of wish he was in the red and blue for the classic lineup you know just oh, like right, I kind of wish right, that Batman right. was kind of back in the traditional suit at that point just so that you know it's the lineup of the heroes right, but right, right. like that's the main thing where I'm just like where I'm just like yeah it should have been red and blue uh, on that part and, but of course it would have to make sense in the story for him to just switch back into a different costume when they get to the top of that <laughs> uh, part of the power plant uh all right, so before we get to the break, we're going to go into the arrival. I've split up the final battle into several sections. So the first part is them arriving to the dome and Batman uh, doing the first attack. So Snyder just has it at night. Whedon basically color corrects the entire thing to have these red skies the whole time. So that's interesting. Uh, Snyder shows the team getting ready to arrive at Russia with you know Batman tossing the Quindent over to Aquaman. Yo- Flash doing the yoga poses that I know Andrew likes. And, <laughs> Points. Uh, when... Batman, yeah, <laughs> already. <laughs> points. Yoga so, points. Batman, uh, yoga points. All right. Snyder 42, Whedon 2. Uh, so when man, Batman goes back to the run. Fl- he leaves, he basically has the team go off, and he pilots the flying fox, and we have different dialogue. So in the Snyder version, he says, whatever you see, stick to the plan. It's why I brought you together. And he almost has kind of a an optimistic look on his face, as opposed to the Whedon version where he says, don't wait for me, just do the job. From Whedon. So, Batman seems more of a jerk in Whedon's version than in Snyder's, in spite of the fact that Snyder kind of has a rep among, you know, the haters of being too dark and gritty of a version of Batman. So, I think that is interesting that their attempts to course correct Snyder led to more of a jerk Batman in this version. Uh, In both movies, Batman tries to go into the dome against the Parademons alone, uh, but this is portrayed very differently uh, in that. So... In the Snyder Cut, we get a lot more of Bruce in the Flying Fox as he crash lands and transitions to the Batmobile. Uh, we saw sort of the whole process uh, of it. So just to address what I think I know what Zach's going to bring up, the Flying Fox kind of sort of crash lands, but it's not really destroyed. It sort of just slides down. So you don't really see a ton of damage. And I don't think he really needs to use it that much more afterwards because he's already in. I think maybe that's the thinking. Um, but I don't think it's destroyed enough. Uh, as opposed to, I think it might have been shown as more destroyed in the Whedon version. Uh, so, in the Whedon version, Batman uses the sound he noticed from the opening sequence to attract the parademons, and uh, apparently he didn't think that uh, there would be more than 500 parademons because all of them come for him, and Alfred is like, we might not have thought this through in the Whedon version, so apparently they didn't think that that would be suicide. As opposed to the Snyder version where it doesn't seem like he accidentally fell into a stupid plan. It seems more that Batman already knows he's, he, you know, this could be the end of him. But he, he's doing his best to distract the parademons. Uh, he just sees himself as the most expendable member because he's the only one without super, superpowers. But, of course, this team saves Batman in both versions. The Snyder cut has a slow-mo of Wonder Woman coming by and hacking two parademons at once. 
with the uh, ancient lamentation music of Junkie XL <laughs> whenever she shows up. Uh, Weed and Cut does not have the slow-mo at all. She, I think she does the same thing, but you don't notice like what exactly she does. She kind of just swoops in. Um, and uh, in the Weed and Cut, Bruce has an extra line where he's like, this isn't the plan, and Alfred's like, no, this is the team. Cue Avengers music. Uh, in the Snyder Cut, we get an awesome team shot in the Snyder Cut of... It's almost... And it, all, it weirdly reminds me a little bit of Age of Ultron, which is why it's ironic, you know, that Whedon would have cut this. Maybe because he thought, like, you know, they would have reminded him of his movie in a weird way. But there's that, just like in the opening of Age of Ultron, there's sort of just like this, almost a freeze frame of the team. Mm-hmm. We get the similar thing here. Though, of course, my preference is to Zack Snyder's Justice League than on Age of Ultron because it has the Batmobile in this shot. Uh, Aquaman in both versions gets captured by parademons and taken off and he falls but he's saved by Cyborg who catches him uh, in uh, the Snyder Cut all he says is you're welcome whereas in the Whedon Cut he says ride ain't over yet and Aquaman says my man and well he says my man in both versions <laughs> however I do want to point out that in the Whedon Cut Aquaman has been distrusting of Cyborg this entire time where he's just like you're working for the enemy you can't control the machine uh, whereas in the Snyder Cut, he sympathizes with Victor. So this feels like a more earned moment in the Snyder Cut, whereas in the Whedon Cut, it feels like Whedon's trying to do some weird like light switch arc where suddenly they're buddies just because Cyborg saved him uh, in that moment. Uh, Snyder has more of a showcase of the rest of the team. Wonder Woman uses her shield to save the Batmobile from a blast of the Parademons. Cyborg has more appendages where he's like blasting buildings with both arms as he's flying around. Aquaman... Aquaman shish kebabs parademons with his quindent. Batman takes out parademons with a tower gun, and now he's on, like, the big turret gun. This is all cut from the Whedon cut, all these great moments. It's all basically just... He just keeps Bat- Batman in the Batmobile, and then Aquaman sort of surfing on the bodies of parademons, and that's about it. Uh, so the, those are the big differences in terms of the arrival. Let's start with Dustin. So, I, well, and first, like, I guess we'll address, like, the the superman suit right and like i know there's no like call out to it but once again i think it's one of those things where you know and and there's so many like of the snyder haters they're like has he ever read a comic book and it's like yes like they're loaded with these comic book moments right (laughs) yeah um but like in the original you know comics right the black suit was to help him recover quicker because it right. would like absorb the sun, you know. So like it like it makes sense, and I don't necessarily know that like it had to be called out. I do always like, you know, because it's not addressed. Though I always have this funny moment of like the the college humor spoof where like Superman wants to team up with Batman. He's like, oh, you got an image problem. <laughs> have you have you seen that? He's like, I want to team no. up, and Batman's like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. Why? You don't need me. And he's like, oh, you have an image. You have an image problem. Oh, you're not cool, right? So like, I always I always think about the black suit and like him having an mm-hmm. image problem when he'd be cool, right? <laughs> Um, yeah. which is hilarious but um, but then like the whole like Batman and the Batmobile scene like why would you cut that like the everything's dark and the parademons are coming up and then the lights yeah, go on and awesome. the guns like start shooting and then there's like the big tank cannon like on top of it I'm like dude like you cut all that you know what I mean like 
like all of that stuff was like amazing like um and the only thing i i do like that does feel a little weird was like that one shot like it does remind me of the avengers like so much mm. and i guess i'm just like so bitter against whedon i would just be like Ooh, just like take it out just so like nobody like makes that connection like at all um mm-hmm. you know but you know other than that like everything was uh I think it's it's fantastic, and I'm all, you know anytime I can get Batfleck kicking yeah. ass, <laughs> sign me up, right? But yeah, everything was just amazing. Zach, all right, so uh, <laughs> you know that part where he comes out of the flying fox in the Batmobile reminded me a lot of the what was it, the Dark Knight Rises, where he goes with the bat pod into the shadows, and then the the I guess oh, it's the, the bat or whatever flies out and it's like darkness but the headlights come on yeah that Mm kind of reminded me of that too so that part was really cool but yeah he did he cut all the uh all the fantastic stuff it was everything was so much better um i do like that aquaman didn't say yeehaw flying down on the parademons he did (laughs) he still flew into the building and then like came out but he wasn't like yeehaw i just remember thinking that was does he say so yeehaw? Lame. Swear to God, yeah, it's like it's like Macho really? Man Randy Savage, yeah. He does. He makes all <laughs> these awesome. noises. Hey, 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 hey. Don't bad. Don't bring Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I'm, I'm no. with Dustin on that one. I'm with Dustin on that one. But I don't want to see my Aquaman it was a weird act like that. It was weird. Yeah, he's just saying yeah. that's weird. Yeah. Cream it was out crop. of place, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Everything was so much better. Of course, everyone looked much more competent. I will say that my mom would have hated that slow motion scene. She's got a real like thing against slow motion. She thinks everything's the Matrix if it's slow motion. So she would have oh, not. That's such a mom comment. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's the Matrix. So I don't think she would have made it this long into the movie anyways in four hours. But uh, yeah, she would have hated that. Um, the only other thing I can think of is Batman's tactical suit. I feel like I did like it better in this version, maybe because I had a better experience as throughout the whole movie anyways <laughs> yes but i remember the first time i saw this i was like wow it's just very night owl from Watchmen. like it's mm, yeah. i know those goggles are the exact same ones like i've uh, now that someone has pointed that out to me it's like wow they're the exact same goggles but something about the silhouette it's just not jiving with me i just mm. wish he had like the light up eyes like he did as the uh, yeah. uh mech suit batman in the tactical suit overall is fine I like the extra mm-hmm. detailing, but it's something about the goggles. It's like he has to take them on and off. And I know yeah. that works in the nightmare verse because it's, you know, everything's a little bit more low tech and, and he might just, <laughs> you know, that stuff that he, he needs, he just found. It's not part of his costume, but for a tactical suit, I wish it was just, you know, something that was built into the helmet, but that's really uh, really nitpicky stuff. Andrew. Okay. Uh, Again, with the character arc shit, but Batman, we've talked about this before, he's living out his arc from BVS. He's seen mm-hmm. Superman sacrifice himself from that. He saw it, he witnessed it mm-hmm. firsthand. And I do, I did kind of get the vibe, like, Batman is, is he's planning to die tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's going all out. Like, this is it. Mm-hmm. He's sacrificing himself. If he lives, it's a surprise. Uh, and I, I think if they don't yeah. they don't say it, but I, I I don't know. You guys feel that way? I feel like this is written into the DNA of this script. It it could go either way because it could also be him having faith that the team's going to back him up. Oh yeah, faith too. So it fits so, with that yeah. whole thing as well. 
So it's either yeah. the team's going to back him up, but he's he's. Kind but I think of he's fine with either. Yeah. I'm he's fine with either I scenario. He, I think he planned on dying, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is like he still carries guilt for his part in Superman dying, and I think this mm-hmm. is his way of like um, making good on that, right, uh, and redeeming yeah. himself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I do think he he went into it like I'm going to die for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Don't whatever you see, don't worry, keep going. Like he planned on dying yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. There's something in the ether in those scenes or the in Batman's actions or something that really, yeah, that yeah. really got me, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the action is great too. Cause we, like we have said a million times, Snyder is fucking ridiculously good at action. Uh, mm-hmm. so that, but, uh, Batman's like mental state. I wanted to bring up mostly, but yeah, Snyder again. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, there's also the moment where he's like shooting and you see the, the bullet shell come out and that's sort of reflection of the bullet shell that comes out with Joe Chill's gun. Oh, and right, right, right. And more of that cyclical nature. Uh, to me, the, the moment where the Batmobile comes out uh, and the parademons all see it was more reminiscent of BVS with that Batmobile sequence where it was just like in the shadows and then the guy in the car sees that it's coming out and stuff. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a cool parallel as well. So, yeah, I mean, the team stuff is great. I didn't mind the uh, splash page type shot. I, I admit that if that was in the Whedon cut, we would just all be like, okay, come on, Whedon. But, you know, because of Snyder's, it's kind of just like, okay, like, because he doesn't normally do that stuff, it's kind of cool to see him do it. He's going you know? balls so. to the walls with the comic book shit. Yeah, the splash page yeah. stuff. I loved it. Yeah. I thought that was great. By was the great. way, before we move on, sorry, Ben, but the slow motion shit, people seem to hate that with Snyder. I fucking love that shit. <laughs> I, for me, a lot of times action can go too fast. I, I don't know. I miss a lot of shit when I see movies. I like slow motion. I loved it since the 300 when they're moving around and doing a spear this fucking way and that way yeah. and the sword and boom with the shield and all that. It's been doing that since 300. Maybe Dawn of the yeah. Dead. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that in particular. So I, a lot of people seem to hate it, but. I like slow motion myself. It makes it so much more memorable. All the action sequences in, yeah. in this are a lot more memorable than the Whedon version that cut down on the slow motion. I want to follow the exact movement of those stuntmen and women. You mm. know what I mean? That's, I want to yeah. really know what's going on in what they're doing. Yeah. It's like the old uh, Chappelle show episode where he makes the music video, but one's in slow motion and one's normal. <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's super yeah, cool, yeah. but when it's normal, yeah. it's completely stupid. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So, I think, yeah, like, to me, that's just like, okay, whatever. It's, yeah, there's a lot of CG in the slow motion. I'm just like, yeah, it's a, every fucking action movie in the last <laughs> right. 10 to 20 years. Like, why is it this one that's singled out on that? So I don't know, man. The s- slow motion and everything. Why does Snyder get, yeah. the, get so much shit for that? Yeah, yeah, so... Stupid. Anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff is a lot better in the Snyder version and a lot more impactful, and, you know, it's great. There's probably... I, I feel like if they did have that scene with him talking to Alfred in front of the bat suit, and if that is the armored bat suit from BVS, and he was talking about, you know, his guilt over his past and actions a little more on that part, then uh, that would carry over. But they didn't have that scene uh, in that, unfortunately. So, yeah, as I said, release that cut, Snyder. Anyway, we end this with, and before the break, at Snyder 42, Whedon 2. We will finish this off when we get back from the break. 
We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks, we do linguistic analysis. So, the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so the changed meaning, in Japanese it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. No, Sarah, okay, you I think your apartment is you can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Ah, uh, Mother Box is calling. I'll just pick this up here, because this is the Joss Whedon version of things, where it's just in the parking lot and I have no resistance against me. Put it in my car here, and let's see, now I just need to get my parking validated. Let me just drive on up. That'll be twenty-five fifty, sir! Twenty-five fifty? That's an outrage. Do you know who I am? No, but this is the biggest convertible I've ever seen. What is this, a tank? Is this like the Tesla tank? It's a tank convertible from Apocalypse. Isn't it a sweet ride? Well, it blows my mind. Well, anyway, I'm gonna need that 2550. You parked over 15 minutes. Oh, damn. Well, I was not given any currency before I was transported to Earth, so I'm afraid I don't have any cash on me. No cash, huh? What about credit? You know, I really should have raided the wallets of all the dead bodies I've left behind. Whoa! Let's see here. What? You kill people? I'm gonna call security! I mean, it's not like they can do anything against me. Look at me. I guess you're right. But, like, why aren't you just leaving now, then? You know, I just wanted to honor the policy. I think that charging people $25 for 15 minutes of parking is true evil. Apocalypse would be proud. Well, that is our policy here. Be evil all the time. I respect that. You know, I didn't think I would find an Earthling I would have something in common with. I didn't think I'd find... Whatever the fuck you are, and have a, something in common with, with whatever the fuck you are, too, man. Can you make, like, horns come out of my head, too? I can turn you into a parademon once I'm able to get out of here and form the unity with these mother boxes. You can be whatever type of demon you want to be, my son. And I'll be able to, like, fly and stuff? Sure, yes. As a parademon, you'd be able to fly, you would have horns, you'd be able to, to shriek and scream however you want to. It'd be amazing. Okay, one more question. I'm, I'm leaning towards yes, but uh, that other guy came here the other day and he talked about the burden of free will and some bullshit I don't understand. And, uh, well, anyway, will I have the burden of free will or not as a parademon? Uh, you will not. That was another friend of mine, actually. Fucking sweet, sign me up! All right, well, uh, I guess in that case, do I get to have some free parking? Sure, man, I don't give a fuck. I get paid minimum wage here. You will be the first I convert to a parody. Fuck yeah, dude. Thank you. The invasion of Earth will all be thanks to you. Take care. Sweet man. All right, everybody. If you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news. Plus, we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. This is Deadshot. So uh, sit down.
and listen to my boys on superhero stuff you should know. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about you. Welcome back to us finishing, finally finishing up Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, uh, where we left off, it was Snyder 42, Whedon 2. Will Whedon ever get so much as 0.5 of a point before the end of this? We'll see. Nope. So, we got... <laughs> don't give it away, Andrew. Jesus. So, next part is uh, confronting Steppenwolf and Superman's return. So, we have different confrontations with Steppenwolf. We have the Snyder version that has Aquaman and Cyborg confront Steppenwolf first, with Aquaman being like, hey, remember me. And uh, Wonder Woman joining and leading the way, being like, shall we? Whereas in the Whedon version, she just kind of goes off against him by herself, taunts him about hiding from the fight, and then Aquaman attacks him from behind. Uh, Steppenwolf guilt trips Wonder Woman here in the Snyder version about the deaths of her Amazonian sisters, whereas in the Whedon version, he kind of did it a little bit in the tunnel fight earlier. Steppenwolf uh, does this a lot in this version, which is interesting. It's like he's yeah. got a real... He really wants to call out Wonder Woman. It's roast Wonder Woman. It really <laughs> is. He doesn't roast anybody else in the Justice League that much. He doesn't really care about Aquaman all that much. He's like, yeah, I killed a few Atlanteans, but you, Wonder Woman, I'm going to take. You're not a real Atlantean anyway. What the, who, who, the yeah. fuck are, who the fuck are you? He's anyway? only half. He's a, he's not a purebred. You're saying bro every fucking sentence. What is this? <laughs> he's not a true Atlantean. Uh, so Flash is has very different. The Flash is a very different role in both versions. So in the Snyder version, he has an important role of just doing the, the, the running around to create the charge for Cyborg, which is very much key. Uh, in the Whedon version, he takes out a few parademons by running through them and gets covered in green blood. And he's just like, this is gross. And then he trips again uh, in the Whedon cut only to be saved by Batman. Again, this is in the Whedon cut, not the Snyder cut. Uh, also in this version with the Snyder cut, when he's running around to take the charge, Cyborg goes to the Unity, goes to the Mother Boxes, and Steppenwolf attacks and interrupts their plan completely, where Flash is ready for the charge, but Victor's not ready because he just got attacked. This creates stakes, as opposed to the Whedon version, where Cyborg's just kind of there, and then Steppenwolf's just like, no, 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 you don't get to do that. Uh, Steppenwolf is about to kill Cyborg in both versions. In the Whedon cut, he says Cyborg is not worthy to touch Mother, which sounds so wrong on so many <laughs> wet levels. And he tears Cyborg in half, which apparently... Uh, Ray Fisher tried to argue against. He said that Victor had gone through enough body mutilation that he didn't need to be torn, you know, in half in this movie. But also, it's weird because Whedon has Steppenwolf tear Cyborg apart, and then the next shot is just Cyborg putting himself back together. So it's Does he like, keep his the, dick, though, in this the when he's point? torn apart, though? That's the question. Ask, ask Jeff Johns because he's the one who cared about that. <laughs> okay, alright, I'll ask. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> however, in the Snyder Cut, it's Superman who arrives to save Cyborg. So we have completely different entrances to Cyborg. In the Whedon version, Superman's line is off screen uh, because Steppenwolf is like, you're all too weak to see the truth. And Superman's like, I believe in truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. <laughs> and the American way. Oh, wait, we don't say that part anymore. <laughs> so this dialogue, is clearly Steppenwolf says that line to set up Superman's line because I'm just like, what do you mean you're too weak to see the truth? What truth? And then Superman is like i believe in truth and i'm a big fan of justice i'm just like why are you saying like just hit steppenwolf jesus in <laughs> the snyder cut the real version superman arrives to save cyborg from steppenwolf's axe falling on him and he has that great moment where he's just like not impressed um this is kind of an echo there is a, a comic book panel that people on instagram have brought up i don't know if you guys have seen this but action comics 314 steppenwolf tries to do uh tries to hit superman with his axe and it doesn't work. And Superman's like, what were you thinking? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm a badass uh, Superman, motherfucker. 
Superman uses his freeze breath on Steppenwolf's axe, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember Cavill using freeze breath in the previous movie. I so don't think he has. No. I remember we, we awesome talked about this. Then. And yeah. if I may, he kicks too here, right? He does the 300, like, this is Sparta type <laughs> kick to uh, Steppenwolf but at one point. But that's actually kind of a big deal because I don't think he kicks at all until this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but Superman is really known for the punches. <laughs> that's, that's Superman's arc. He comes back from the dead and now he, he can learned, kick. He learns He's to kick. He used his legs. <laughs> yeah. He went from no legs to legs. Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it was cool. Anyway, I jumped way ahead. Keep going, he, Ben. He freeze breaths Steppenwolf's. Here's what's funny, because when he when I saw him freeze breath Steppenwolf's axe in the Snyder Cut, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that that would be the first move that Superman would do in this fight, as opposed to in the Whedon Cut where he like does it 10 minutes later. I'm just like, why didn't you just lead with that? Uh, also, what's awesome about this is Junkie XL turns the Hans Zimmer Superman theme into kind of a Superman fanfare, which I thought was amazing. That was awesome. And then he replays the, the Zimmer music from Man of Steel when... Uh, Clark learns to fly for the first time when he's beating the shit out of Steppenwolf. Going to Pound uh, Town, yeah. baby. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> There's that meme where it has a, a picture of Cavill sort of smirking when he's got the heat vision on Steppenwolf, and then it has another picture of Cavill smirking when he comes and finds Lois in the tub, and it says, this is the face where you know that Superman is about to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Superman, Superman only has one line uh, in this final fight. Or he's just not impressed, as opposed to the Whedon cut, where he uh, has the whole... He's like, you know, is this guy still bothering you as he attacks Steppenwolf? <laughs> and then Forgot at one point, that. he has a moment where he talks to Batman, and he's like, well, I knew you didn't bring me back because you like me. And Batman's like, I don't not. So, yeah. Whedon, everybody. Anyway, that's that's those are the two different versions of Superman showing up to save the day. Uh, let's go into it. Dustin. Yeah, um, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's that whole scene, right? Like, I'm always like a Batman guy, right? But like, holy yeah. smokes, like he just like swoops right in and the axe like hits yeah. him, and it was like just amazing, right? And and the whole thing is like, and and you and you're you're thinking about the thought process of you know Warner Brothers, and you hear all of the um negative reactions in terms of like superman's not in it enough right and that's why they you yeah. know warner brothers goes back and they reshoot reshoot it but i think it's like super important to like dark 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 into the world into the world we can't do it and all of a sudden bam you know superman is like yeah. on set right you know but he like pops in and like he's just like so op right um mm -hmm. and it makes him even more uh, important in that last scene, man. But just that, like, man, just like when he swoops in and that axe hits him and then he uses the yeah. breeze breath, like, that was it for me. I was like, holy smokes, I'm definitely on board with Team Superman for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it was, like, so good. And then when he, like, he like yeah. uses the heat vision and burns off his little like horn thing or whatever to humiliate him. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my god, like yeah, it was unbelievable, just unbelievable. I feel like if we saw this in a theater, everybody, that's when people would cheer. Yeah, when Superman oh, shows yeah. up, absolutely, absolutely. I did, and, and I was at home by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he did the thing. He did the thing. He did it. <laughs> I popped for sure. Yeah. Zach. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of truth. 
<laughs> I eat justice for breakfast. Hell yeah, brother. And I, I shit the American way. Oh, yeah. Red, white, and blue. I, I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I think that was so much better. I remember still being pretty annoyed with Superman in the Whedon cut. Like, even when he comes back, like, everything he says is just so corny. And it just didn't fit with everything else that had gone on. But, yeah, this version mm -hmm. of Superman, like, kicked ass. It didn't, and it didn't quite make it feel like everyone else was totally inept either. But it's oh, like yeah. he made such a big difference, um, you know, joining into the fight. And yeah, like you said, all the stakes were higher. Uh, everything that was going on right up until he got there, it didn't seem like, you know, they really had much of a chance. They were holding their own. But yeah, just everybody seemed better. Uh, Flash didn't seem, you know, quite as stupid as far as like tripping and all that stuff it just it wasn't filled with humor that it needed to be there so yeah i thought it was uh, fantastic i remember you know i had seen the theatrical cut so i knew pretty much what was going to happen but i was amazed at how different everything was at this point i didn't remember mm -hmm. much of the theatrical cut as far as this battle but i had remembered enough to notice those big differences so yeah. uh yeah i thought it was really cool Andrew. So, I like Tyler Hecklin's Superman. He's like, I, I like Nice yeah. Guy Superman. Love it. I want him Superman saving cats from trees and all that shit. People make fun of that. I like the Boy Scout shit. What the fuck is wrong with Boy Scouts? <laughs> Nothing. Um, but if he's fighting fucking Steppenwolf, you want him to be this badass. It's really important to be this badass. And I think we accomplished that. He... Put that Snyder badassness into it, of course, and damn, it's just like going to pound town like MMA style almost. Like it's really brutal in one part, right? Uh, for a shot or two. Um, so I thought that was really awesome. Have we gotten to the part where uh, he his flash trips and he's trying to heal himself, or is that next? No, that's next. That's next. Okay. Um, well, other than that, yeah. There were a couple shots in Whedon's one of Superman where he's flying in the air, and I remember this. It's one of the shots I remember the most. He's saving somebody in the air, and Cavill's acting there is, like, really compassionate and benevolent, and it did have that kind of Superman niceness to it, and I liked that, but it's nothing compared to this Snyder version. Right, yeah. Absolutely. As I said, like, this is the moment in the theater where, like, if you get to see it in the theater, that's where people cheer. And even if you saw it now after seeing it on HBO yeah, Max, you yeah. would cheer at this point. Like, mm -hmm. it's, such a, uh, it's such a great payoff to just knowing or following Superman's journey at this point and then having him not really be in this movie that much until this point uh, on it. So, great entrance to it. And also the fact that, uh, you know, everybody, as you said, like everybody kind of has their own role to play. You got Cyborg with the boxes. You got uh, Batman on the outside trying to make sure that Flash is safe and doing the, the going the circle. And you've got pretty much everyone else with Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Superman beating the ever-loving shit out of Steppenwolf. Just when <laughs> Superman comes in, suddenly it's just a lot easier. And, and you know, you got Wonder Woman. He basically gets passed around like a like a fucking toy from Wonder Woman to Aquaman to Superman and just Ben he's he's fucked yeah Ben do you remember we made a point of this when we talked about this in an old episode of the you week you wanted 
everyone to be all in. Oh, everybody getting yeah. a hit in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I was when, when this when we were watching this scene, I was like, oh shit, it, it happened finally. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the original version. All you had to do was just watch the original version. <laughs> this is a team Who movie, knew? and it ends up the Whedon one ends with like two of them doing it or something. It's like I can't remember. Whedon. It's a. It's one, really just Superman and Wonder Woman, and honestly. That's, who and that's it, who right? It. Did, Bat- yeah. did Batman get a punch in? Uh, not really, uh, but I mean, what's he gonna do? I wanted to. This he, he, well, he gets them all in there. He I gets know. all of them the, the in. I kind of, I kind of wanted Steppenwolf to just be laying there, and Batman runs up and just like kicks him a little bit, like give, get one good <laughs> like hit in there. Just <laughs> takes a battering through his eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. I need to unzip. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, <laughs> Bat Dick. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, I said he's gonna pee on Steppenwolf. And oh, oh, okay, yeah. There. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Just to disrespect him. Yes. Oh, right, right. <laughs> he's gonna teabag him. Uh, <laughs> Snyder, forty-three. Weed in two. Okay. Next one is, and uh, Dustin, you might want to move your camera down a little bit because we're talking about the Flash. So, uh, oh, right. Yeah. There's, yeah. So we have two extremely different takes on what I the Flash does in this. <laughs> <laughs> Put some pants on, please. Uh, so, let's see. In the Whedon cut, Barry's job is to save civilians. In a whole act that seems like, hey, let's just have the guy from Age of Ultron just repeat what they did at Age of Ultron, where we spend 10 minutes saving a whole bunch of people in this area. Uh, Flash in the Whedon version is directionally challenged. He's just like, God, I hope this is east. And then it turns out he's in the wrong direction. And then later on, he's just like, this is east as he's going. So Flash in the uh, Whedon version does not, doesn't even know directions. Uh, and then it has the gag with Flash saving the truck with the Russian family, where Superman saves the building, which was kind of fun for, you know, not going to lie, that wasn't bad. It's just kind of, it's just a tonal shift compared to what we yeah. saw the original version. Um they obviously none of these civilians would be around in the first place in the original Snyder cut. So what happens in the Snyder cut is Barry gets wounded by the smartest parademon in Apocalypse, and <laughs> uh, the team fails to stop the Unity. Darkseid arrives, and the Unity basically wipes out the entire Justice League except for Flash, who stops time and saves all of them. And what, this is to me, this is the moment where Barry Allen truly becomes the Flash. It is one of the best parts of the movie we've technically seen the flash time travel in order to save other heroes in like it happened in one of the crossovers for cw where like they killed arrow and hawkman and hawker and like everybody and flash like went back in time and saved everybody but it wasn't done like this where like literally every step he takes mm-hmm. is rewinding time and everything is forming around him and he, he calls back to what his dad told him about like making his own future uh, and how like now he has a place of belonging. Literally, these people. Yeah, literally, He's literally making, making his own future. <laughs> uh, Snyder brought up Warner Brothers did not want this at all. Snyder, they did not want Snyder to have flash time travel in this movie. What's the reasoning behind that? Did they say? They didn't say it. They're like, we don't want you to do time travel. By the way, Flashpoint is coming in 2020. It gets maybe, the, maybe okay, maybe in Devil's Advocate they think that it's just too messy with time travel. Like you can just do it too easily. You make a mistake, somebody dies. You can make them, you can bring them back to life or something like that. But Flash could be hesitant about this anyway because you're not just playing with like your friends' lives. You're playing with the right. entire fucking universe's right. timeline. So. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot to consider there. 
Right, but Barry knows this. That's why he's like, you got to break the rule. Like, yeah. if he has that yeah. as a rule. He knows that he can do that. He just doesn't want to. And then, yeah. you know, unless he's forced to, and he is forced to here. But yeah, I mean, this is, it's weird that they didn't want to do it because they really want to do Flashpoint. And then also, one of the big nostalgia movies for DC is Superman the movie that literally ends yeah. with Superman going back in time. So I'm just like, if, if anything, I like, honestly, this might be sacrilege. I like the time travel use in this better than Superman the movie. Oh, I, I might agree it with was you awesome. on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just amazing. Uh, so instead of time travel, we got the Flash saving the Russian family and then saying Dostoevsky to the Russian girl and then running off. And that was their genius who says, replacement. Who says Dostoevsky? Flash, Flash, because he doesn't know any... That's the only Russian word he knows <laughs> is the name of that author. Oh, great. That's wonderful. So, forgot about anyway. that. Dustin, I saw... <laughs> I noticed you were representing Flash with your shirt. Rep it. Let's start with you. Yeah, man. Like, I mean... Oh my god! Like I remember watching the Whedon, you know, version and, yeah. and coming out and like just thinking, okay, Cyborg is worthless, and I hate the Flash. <laughs> like you made me hate <laughs> the Flash, and and the fact that you let CW write Flash better than like yeah. your on-screen version is just like mm-hmm. disgusting because they won't even let cw do a batman show they're like we're not gonna let you touch yep. batman but we'll let them do a way better flash like yeah. um and I-, I just remember being just like so disgusted coming out i'm like like dude's superpowers to run fast and all he does is trip the whole movie right being like and you can tell now i'm still like disgusted like i'm upset that they, <laughs> they treated him that way you know yeah. um because he i mean like you know in this version like every you know the majority of the characters are godlike to some degree you know and not only that, like, and, and I think the reason they cut it is just for time because they're trying to make a two hour movie, which means we got to put all this stuff in and have it fail and then have him rewind it and go back. So we got to condense this down. But like, ultimately, like, once again, this ties into like the nightmare scene and like Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, it's showing you the map for like everything that's coming, you know, next. Like, this is this is it. This is I've I've time traveled and I'm gonna need to do it again and I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. and mess things up and then create different multiverses and like it's this big moment that is gonna lead to like everything else and just like really yeah. just like lets you know like who he is and he's the the future of you know the franchise and they just they just destroy him and made me just like disgusted with him. And um, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a hard job to do, right? Like how can you make somebody hate the flash, right? Is flash your uh, number two real quick is he's number two after uh, Batman. No, um, you know, he's, well, I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Um, you know, and, 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 and to be honest, like I was always a Marvel comics guy. I absolutely love Batman, but like over the years I've gotten more and more into, you know, the DC stuff, but you know, like to me, like if, you know, you're going to give me like a superpower, it'd either be telepathy or the super speed. Right. You know? So mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, even when he's against Superman, right? Like Superman can't touch him. You know, like you can be Superman, but you you just can't touch Flash. You know, like mm-hmm. how do you you know how do you ever beat Flash, right? That's like, true. That's true. Mm-hmm. It just I don't know, man. man. And um, it just it just the whole thing was ridiculous. And then you see this, and you're like, oh man, like 
Snyder had this amazing vision for the Flash and like understood him and how important he was to the whole you know film man and like he's a god right it's and and it's that whole yeah. like tie back right you know like Dark Side comes five thousand years ago and he's fighting the gods and now like we're here like fighting like the modern day gods and it's Cyborg and Aquaman and Flash yeah and they all get that moment you know um and it's just like it was such a great redemption for. Cyborg and Flash, like both of them, you know, um, it's just amazing, and and that's the moment you realize, like, oh my God, like WB had their hands in it so much and made this Frankenstein monster of a movie, and it really <laughs> just pulls back the curtain and lets you know, like, man, I feel sorry for David Ayer, you know, like all that stuff he's talking about and the hands in yeah. it, you know. So um, it was it was really eye opening to watch that movie. Like I knew it was going to be good, but I just not expected to be that dramatically different, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, that definitely like for me that whole Flash thing was like movie redemption, like overall. Um, and I'm a huge Batman guy, but the fact that they like made me like Flash again, I was like, thank you, <laughs> thank you. <Yeah. laughs> Awesome. Zach? Yeah, I, I agree with Dustin. I remember after watching the theatrical cut, I did not like Flash, I did not like Aquaman, and I was pretty indifferent towards Cyborg. And now it just mm. totally redeemed him and made him uh, an irreplaceable part of the team. I mean, just yeah. within that one moment, if it wasn't for the Flash, everything would be over. So it really made him, it, it gave him so much more importance than than Whedon did, which was to treat him like a, a kind of like a side character of just like we'll go go save the family and uh, that'll be it. Like you can't do anything yeah. really useful or important. It just <laughs> how, I don't understand how you could cut what happened in the Snyder film and then I guess reshoot something just worthless like we yeah. see. It just is you know it's mind boggling. But the actual speed force uh moment is just so awesome and visually just so interesting to look at and like you said that is such a cool image of every footstep that he makes it's like the the ground is reappearing back under him and me me watching this movie after having seen the theatrical cut whenever they lose i was like oh god like what is this like this is this didn't happen in the version i saw so Again, it, it it was still playing with my expectations, and something totally new happened that I hadn't seen before. So, yeah, they they did that better than anything I've ever seen on the CW. So, what what you were saying is, you know, originally they fucked it up so much that we all still love the uh, Grant Gustin Flash. Now we see this, and I mean, I. I still love the CW Flash, so especially the first few seasons. But visually, they they did it so so much more artistically that I think it was just you know it was a, a joy to watch. And again, mm-hmm. it really empowers uh, that character in a way that you know was taken away originally. Awesome, Andrew. Yeah, just before that, whenever he gets hurt and he's he's trying to force his Flash healing ability. Right, mm-hmm. he, uh, his acting is really good there. Like I really felt the emotion f- 
from that. I think he seems he feels real pain. Yeah, I feel his pain. It's like um, it's like those scenes and well, maybe not quite as bad, but in the, the opening scenes in D Day and um, Saving Private Ryan, like those scenes mm-hmm. are like, damn, you know. Um, it's I don't know something connected there for me, I guess, but it was kind of visceral. And uh, I felt his he was, you know, he was emoting really well, I guess. Uh, So I thought that was really great. And um, yeah, I mean, we just talked about Superman possibly being a little OP at times. That's always going to be a conversation. Mm -hmm. But he can't other than fucking the Chris Free version generally doesn't have any time travel powers. Like it can be argued that Flash is the most powerful, actually, because he can avoid all of his fucking pu- all of Superman's punches if he wanted and he does he's like narrowly avoiding like in some scenes you know during the slow-mo mm-hmm. scenes he's avoiding all of Superman's shit you know which is r- really cool and it's like mm-hmm. Flash could be most powerful but nobody talks about it um, yeah and uh, yeah them tapping into the speed force in a big way in this is is really cool and 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 yes they he could do this every time if they wanted but it he then but that gets into like his internal struggle as a superhero with his these kind of powers is like again it's not it's not just a Spider-Man thing it's every it's an every superhero thing like with this kind of power how much responsibility should i be taking and this is yeah. he's not just saving superman here this he's he's rewriting the entire timeline of the entire universe there's yeah. a lot of big ideas with the flash i think and mm-hmm. uh you know this is not something he wants to pull out all the time. This is good. This is definitely like a once yeah. a hopefully. Well, well, what he's thinking, at least probably in this in this particular scenario is a once in a lifetime mm-hmm. thing. But I, I, I wonder if we'll see it again. We yeah. probably see it again um, <laughs> point. for different yeah. reasons. But but yeah. um, this is not something that you want to do lightly, of course. And yeah, it's like the editing also in uh, the the really, really emotional editing whenever he sees um uh, Iris, it's 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 kind of back to that editing too. It's like super yeah. emotional, really artistically done, really really well done. Um, yeah, it was great. Awesome. I love the sequence. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, and there's so many great moments in general. But definitely, like this is the flash scene to me of this whole thing, and it's just incredible. As Dustin was saying, just how this thing got butchered when you just compare the two different versions of Flash. It's just like, why? Who thinks that this is actually a better version, the theatrical version, off of this? So, (sighs) Snyder 44, Whedon 2. What else can we say about it, really? (laughs) I mean, it's just, we know what's better. We don't really have to talk that more about how much better it is. There's not much more I can add other than what these three gentlemen said. So, let's go into the defeat of Steppenwolf. So, in the Snyder Cut, Victor thanks to Flash, is able to go and connect with the Unity, and he is challenged by visions of his dead parents, tempting him and prompting him. Uh, and he ends up basically rejecting this life that they provide, you know, this dream life that they are trying to tempt him with. It says, I'm not broken, and I'm not alone, which is an amazing emotional moment and likely ties into what Snyder's daughter was going through at the writing of that movie on that. Uh, the Whedon Cut, of course, gets rid of all of this and just the only thing that Whedon the Whedon cut has from this moment is Cyborg and Superman working together to separate the boxes. However, Whedon then adds jokes of them lying on the floor and Superman saying, never mind, I want to die. And Cyborg talking about how his toes hurt and how that doesn't make any sense. So, whoa. Thank you, Whedon. Weird. Uh, 
Yeah. We have different versions of the end of Steppenwolf. So in the Snyder version, Steppenwolf is rightfully taken out by Aquaman, who impales him with the Quindent, and Wonder Woman beheads him with the sword. Making sense since he basically slaughtered all these Atlanteans and Amazonians. It seems like that. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Internal logic there is really good. Yeah. <laughs> they're the ones that they're the ones that do it. All Superman yeah. really does is punch them, almost as if to say, like, how dare you? You know? <laughs> and that's about it. Uh Steppenwolf in the Weed and Cut basically gets defeated because Superman finally uses his freeze breath to destroy the axe at this point after everything that's been going down. And Whedon reuses the shot of Wonder Woman with a sword to behead Steppenwolf, except in the Whedon version, it's to uh, cut the axe in that. Uh, The parademons then get a sniff of Steppenwolf's fear and attack him because he's scared now, which feels to me like Scar getting taken out by the hyenas in The Lion King. (laughs) Uh... And uh, Steppenwolf was then sent back to Apocalypse in the Boom Tube, prompting Cyborg to deliver the most unenthusiastic booyah ever in oh, the Whedon God. version. Oh, God, he's in the sunken place when he's saying that line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then in the Snyder version, the head travels through the portal into Darkseid, who steps on his head. And they're apparently uh, the execs did not want Snyder to show Darkseid at this point either. They didn't want a Darkseid coda. And uh, Snyder put it in anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, they didn't even want him to have Darkseid in it, which makes it even more sus that they, uh, you know, supposedly cancel the new gods because uh, they don't, you know, because of this appearance from Darkseid, trying to blame it on the Snyder cut, when in reality it had nothing to do with that. There's also a criticism of Darkseid not using his Omega Beams through the portal to kill the Justice League right then and there. But I would argue, obviously, his plan is to recruit Superman because look at what happens in the Nightmare Vision. So I don't think he actually does want to kill them in that moment. But, I don't know, that's just my opinion on it. Anyway, on to you guys. The defeat of Steppenwolf, beheading versus the Disney villain ending. What do you guys think? On to Dustin. I mean, definitely uh, <laughs> Snyder's version, just because this is also, like, once again, we're talking about Flash redemption, we're talking about Cyborg redemption, and, like, that mm-hmm. whole... You know, um, and then also I'm thinking too, like they all have mommy issues, right? Because we're talking about you know Flash time traveling. Eventually, it's going to be because of his mother, and then you have yep. this scene with Cyborg, and it's like you know, come be with us, you know, and we can give your mother mm-hmm. and your family back to you. And um, it, it was a you know a really good scene, and then also it makes you know Cyborg important. Um, so obviously, you know, it's amazing. Um, and then all the dark side stuff is amazing. And just like, you know, um, like you said, I, I had people commenting on my post and they're like blaming Zack Snyder for that movie being canceled. And it's the most ridiculous thing ever. And I was like, do yeah. not let Warner Brothers insult your intelligence because <laughs> they they went ahead and made a Robert Pattinson Batman, even though there's like, you know, Ben Affleck Batman like running around. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. plenty of characters that they we've seen and they've made movies and they decided to like keep making movies in different versions. So yeah. it's just ridiculous that they can kind of like try and like offset blame onto him or using mm-hmm. dark side like why would you not use dark side right That's like what I'm your saying. whole your whole point is to make money right and you're you're wanting to compete <laughs> with the mcu and this dude is delivering money right like mm-hmm. and you're like nah nah i don't want that money Pretty much this week <laughs> so um yeah it's ridiculous but yeah definitely uh snyder um just for you know the, the cyborg like aspect of it and including yeah. dark side for sure yeah zach 
Man, I, I mean, uh, Steppenwolf being killed was a big plus for me because I remembered <laughs> that I, that he just kind of went away in the boom tube in the Whedon version, and I was like, oh, they actually killed him in this version. So mm-hmm. that was pretty awesome, and I really liked that shot of his head. Well, I mean, his whole body, but his head like going through yeah. and sliding under Darkseid's foot in that gross moment where he stomps on it. I think yeah. it was the his other horn breaking that was grosser yeah. to me than like yeah. any gooey sounds or anything like that. I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> that part was really awesome. I thought that was cool. And um, yeah, it was just such a better end ending for him. Like he deserved that as much, yeah. uh, you know, damage and death and pain that he had inflicted throughout the movie. Uh, again, he did actually have a character arc in this version but he was much more brutal and we saw more of the, you know, loss of life that was caused by him. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of times when I don't like bad guys to die in superhero movies because I feel like that's mm-hmm. not how they how it is in the comics. And I did like Steppenwolf better in this movie. But this is one of those times when I was like totally fine with him dying. Yeah. I think it's usually the Batman villains and Spider-Man villains. I never want them yeah. to die. I'm like, oh, just, you know, lock them up. Let them come back later. But yeah, it seemed very fitting. So it was a, a much better ending for his character. Agreed. Andrew. So we're at the part where he says, I'm not broken. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is like the best part of the movie to me um we have a completed completed character arc the best character arc Snyder had the choice between six heroes he chooses to focus mainly on this one uh to give him the most um the most power in in the whole thing um which is interesting it could have been any one of them but he chooses cyborg which is cool the really the least known one in the Mm -hmm. popular sphere as it were and um yeah really cool and i think that i i've been i thought about that a bit after watching it like why would he say a line like that um what made him think that he wasn't broken anymore a guy that's been literally blown to bits and it's this timeline of him seeing his father almost die being threatened by somebody in the beginning right um by the parademons or something Mm -hmm. and then they have that moment together and then they sort of are cool after that there's like some sort of an arc there where, um, you know, I he was like I what is it like I I hated my dad, but not enough to where I wouldn't save him. It was a come to come to reality moment. Like right. uh, you know what's what's important in mm-hmm. life, you know I can hate him, right. but that's not really you know what's more important is he's still alive. But then he actually does die. Right. And he has to go through that. He sees that, um, but the fact that he could forgive. He sort of forgives his father, it seems like. Right? He forgives yes. his he forgives his father after realizing what he realized whenever he saved his dad, I think. I think that's just, this is kind of the internal logic here. And the fact that he could forgive mm-hmm. his dad, the, the the person that he hated at first because um he didn't it seemed like he didn't really want to be saved. He he'd rather be dead than be this robot, you know. Um but then he, but through the acceptance of his dad, he accepts himself as well, and so then he's he's not broken, and he says, "I'm not broken." Like you, you can't, you can't manipulate mm-hmm. me with that shit, you know. So I think right. 
that's what makes this so powerful. That's what makes it. It's a real, really powerful scene. I think this is, this is my favorite scene in the movie. Well, so, and just hearing you say that too, right? It's like it's this yeah. idea of like the whole time he's like, I'm a monster, I'm a robot. Yeah. But at the end, it shows you just how human he is. Like mm-hmm. that's his humanity coming through that ability to forgive and then like also forgive himself and be okay with himself as well. Accept so, himself, accept his yeah, father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this all works here, um, and it's great. My favorite part. Other parts here, uh, I I do wish that they fought Darkseid directly. That was like my one disappointment with this movie. I wanted Superman to go to pound town on Darkseid. I wanted to, bam, (laughs) you know, like, fuck your Omega Beams and shit. But but other than that, I mean, we got that incredible cyborg sequence, so... I also feel like it's kind of like a reoccurring theme like throughout the movie too because even when Superman yeah. comes back Superman's this person who like wants to be like, he's a god but he wants to be human like he wants yeah. to be part of like that you know um, humanity or whatever and uh, I think there's you know this like even though they all have the individual you know character arcs they're all kind of like struggling with the same things like mm-hmm. internally but like a little bit differently so i think that you know strive for humanity is kind of like a running thread through a lot of the characters as well mm-hmm. yes mark bernard and who i usually agree with uh but not really on this movie on his on you know fat man beyond with him and kevin smith he uh he wasn't a big fan of this version he's still acknowledging it was better than the theatrical version but he had some weird tweet i think i read in terms of people who were getting at him for i guess praising or liking godzilla versus kong but having criticisms for justice league and he said that you know justice league expected more because it had more ambition that it was he really described it as some sort of like treatise of power or something like that and I'm like Justice League to me despite having six superpowered people seven if you count Martian Manhunter and that doesn't even include some of the villains it's not about power at all to me Zack Snyder's Justice League is about healing right it's about people who come from broken backgrounds who come together and form their own families Mm -hmm. like as I pointed out in a previous episode like every single person in this movie has and it's Dustin's point out too. Every single person in this movie comes from a broken family. One or more of their parents are gone in this. So Cyborg's not alone because he has the Justice League. Batman's not alone because he has the Justice League. Uh, like everybody in their own ways heals. And I think that, I mean, Flash literally saves the world while he's healing. Like <laughs> he saves the universe while he's healing from a wound. Physically and, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and he heals the world. He heals the universe by going back in time. Like, that's what this theme is about. This movie has nothing to do with power, in my opinion. Batman versus Superman, that was a movie about power. This is about healing. This is about becoming whole again, about not being broken despite feeling broken from the past. That's the power of this movie, from what I can see. And I think another triumph of this is this moment with Cyborg because it's extremely rare, in my opinion, that you have two back-to-back amazing sequences in a movie usually they're spaced out usually it's just like okay you get the amazing sequence and then you get you know a little bit time to, to step back and breathe but you you very intelligently have a very big spectacle moment that's still very emotional but then you follow it up with kind of a more quiet emotional moment for a separate character and they're both amazing and they're both great and the fact that they're back to back is rare in just any of these types of movies and the fact that both of them are just standout parts of this movie is fantastic 
Snyder 45, Whedon 2. (laughs) Whedon is getting a point from me. (laughs) Well, well, Ben, you you said a lot there, but there's something I'm confused about. Who are these people who like Godzilla versus Kong? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't want to say anything. It made twice... It made twice as much money for HBO as Zack Snyder's Justice League. Good twice Lord. as much. Oh, that to, wasn't me streaming it. Hate to burst your bubble, but the fans look it up. The fans are out there. Yeah. Well, and and the thing, well, and I'm a huge Godzilla fan, but they just keep following up with stinker after stinker. And I know that in the theaters, it made almost as much money as the last one on the opening weekend, right? Um, but. Uh, the, all the theaters aren't open. Like Regal isn't even open yet. They don't open until like yeah. April twenty third. You know, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, it blew me away. Like I was just like that movie was so bad. I watched it, but it was terrible. <laughs> yep, I gave it one watch, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. I don't all know. My giant it was lizards fighting like ninjas. Yeah, I just <laughs> wish it was only fighting. Like that's all I really care about. Uh, those yeah. movies do have a really hard time with their human characters, but it's uh yeah i would rather watch uh matthew broderick's godzilla movie again before i watch kong versus godzilla damn that bad (laughs) yeah absolutely i'm gonna disagree with you on that one but anyway i got a a soft spot for matthew broderick i know i know i I know i derail this all the time but (laughs) let's get it i've i've not seen any of the monsterverse anyway uh open floor on this one we get the big hero shot of the whole team in both versions in the Snyder Cut, we see Superman helping Batman get to the top, whereas in the Whedon version, we don't have that. Uh, and both versions, Flash and Cyborg, sort of do a slow-motion fist bump together. So maybe that's what Whedon was trying to plant with that fist bump joke in the cemetery with Flash in the Whedon Cut. Uh, Snyder's version is compu- has no dialogue whatsoever. Whedon's, however, does have dialogue, where Superman says, uh, he's glad I- I'm glad I didn't miss this, and Wonder Woman's like, so am I. And Batman's like, yeah, now she's glad some joke i guess about her not being happy uh and then we didn't also add a bunch of random plants growing around russia now that steppenwolf's gone i don't know how that works and the russian family finds the plants see his is about uh, healing now the plants the earth <laughs> is healing, <bro. laughs> uh, here's where and this is this might be tying to what you were thinking about earlier zach about the flying fox the flying fox comes back for them in the Snyder version, or as opposed to the Whedon version, where they're looking out over the sort of the plantation stuff that's been growing around. So I'm, I'm not sure. Was that what you were bringing up, Zach? In terms yeah. of like, was the flying yeah, fox I destroyed? thought the flying fox was just totally destroyed and un incapable of flight. Uh, whenever you see it crash and Batman comes out with a Batmobile, so then like whenever the you see it again, I'm like, oh, did I miss something? Was I thought for a minute maybe he was in a smaller plane that came out of the flying fox that had the Batmobile in it and that crash, but I was like I think that was the only continuity thing for me that I I thought I missed something Yeah, but you know, like you said, if it wasn't wrecked that badly then I guess I could fly out of there with it I feel like it kind of just crashes like on the bottom, like the the bottom's fucked up I think, but maybe that's about it Maybe maybe Cyborg fixed it Cyborg fixed it off screen and it flew again Maybe, that's another thing (laughs) Yeah, that's true too that's true. Uh, okay, so we'll be quick when it comes to this epilogue because it's really only one and one small scene that are kind of a major sequence where we can compare. But the epilogue is called A Father Twice Over. Uh, very poignant considering uh, Zack Snyder's personal story that ties into this. But 
in the Snyder Cut, it's Cyborg listening to his dad's tape after he puts it back together again. Whereas in the Whedon Cut, uh, it's Lois typing an article and talking about darkness and, and light and finding light in the darkness. Which, if you step back and think about it, makes you wonder what the hell kind of article is she writing uh, on that. Uh, in the Snyder Cut, Silas basically apologizes to Victor here about not being there, and we sort of see the ends of each of the characters. So in the Snyder Cut, Aquaman meets with Volko and Mera, and you know says, "I have to go see my dad," which is probably influenced from seeing how Victor's affected by losing his dad. Uh, in the Whedon Cut, we just see a CG version of Momoa diving into the water like a dolphin. Um, I kind of wish there was more to the Snyder Cut version of him talking to Volko and Mera. I feel like maybe there might have been more dialogue there than just having Amber Heard and William Dafoe just stand there, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, both versions have Bruce deciding to turn Wayne Manor into the Hall of Justice, which is cool. Uh, Whedon Cut ends with uh, you know Bruce agreeing that there's room for more, whereas in the Snyder Cut, Bruce says, well, room for more. God help us. Um Flash, in both versions, tells his dad that he got a job at the crime lab. However, the Whedon cut kind of has a very quick scene where, where um, he has... Barry says that he got a recommendation at the crime lab from a friend, which is implied to be Bruce. And uh, Henry Allen is just like, oh, look at you go. As opposed to the Snyder cut, where Henry just announces it to the rest of the penitentiary. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and jokes about how he taught his son nothing he knows, which is a more poignant version mm-hmm. of the scene. Uh, both versions have... Clark thanking Bruce for buying the bank in order to help uh, Martha Kent get her house back. And he says he was apologizing for his mistake, his mistake being his actions during BVS. There is a change in both versions, a very subtle change of what Martha and Lois are carrying. In the Whedon cut, they're carrying cardboard boxes because Martha's moving back in. In the Snyder cut, Lois is carrying a bassinet, a bassinet to carry a baby. Wow, I did not notice that. I missed that too. Yeah, And, and Bruce... Bruce's line when they go to the house is different in the Whedon cut versus the Snyder cut. In the Whedon cut, you know, they're just talking about how he bought the bank. In the we- in the Snyder cut, Bruce says, congratulations, by the way, to Clark, as in, like, congratulations, your father. Right, right, right. So that's cool. Uh, in the Snyder cut, Cyborg's at the gravesite of his parents and finally takes off, basically goes naked uh, in front of the thing and he's finally free to be out in the open and flies up, which is awesome and empowering. Acceptance. As opposed to the Whedon. Self-acceptance. Self-acceptance. Uh, yes. The Whedon cut is different where he's just got a new body and he's talking to his dad because his dad's still alive in this version. He's got a dick in that one, though, you know. <laughs> he, uh, I know. <laughs> Dustin, the reason why we keep bringing this up Robot is that dick. in the previous version, yeah, in the previous version, which hasn't been released yet, Ray Fisher is on record that Warner Brothers made them reshoot the origin of Cyborg scene to highlight the fact that Cyborg has a dick. In the Whedon cut, Cyborg has legs during the origin sequence when they reshot that. Even though it contradicts the, continu- the continuity of the origin sequence of Cyborg in BVS, they reshot that just to say Cyborg has genitals. Ridiculous. Uh... <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? It's a bit on the strange side, one could say. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, we get two very we have different I'm still, uh, still laughing bro I know <laughs> alright <laughs> uh, we get two very end, different end shots of Batman because in both versions we get Gordon flashing the bat signal but in the Whedon cut it is Batman on a rooftop and he sees the Batwing as opposed to the Snyder cut that has Batman on the Dark Knight Returns tank Fuck and then yeah. if you zoom in really closely behind him is a bunch of the mutants 
being tied up, the mutants from the comic book. They are there in the shot. I suspect that this is all CG. Like, I suspect that yeah. both oh, yeah. shots... I suspect that both shots are actually Snyder. It's just that Snyder was just like, eh, what the hell? Let me throw in the Dark Knight Returns Batmobile in there. That's my suspicion in terms of why that part is in there. Because it's just like, why not? You know, why not? Uh, Wonder Woman's ending is different. In the Whedon version, she stops a bunch of criminals. Uh, and so she has them all tied up outside as she's talking to police. Or they're talking to police. And in the Snyder cut, she is sort of shown to be yearning to go back to Themyscira as she's, you know, holding the arrow and looking out. Uh, Flash runs in both versions in his final shot, but in the Whedon cut, he's just running as opposed to the Snyder version where there's like a sort of a slow-mo of him almost having relief on his face, which is kind of cool. Um, and then we end with different pieces of dialogue, obviously, between Silas and Lois on the whole... Uh, you know, Lois saying, you know, you just have to look up in the sky for hope, as opposed to Silas saying, like, the time for Victor to live and be out in the open is now. Uh, and then we get a shirt rip in both versions of Superman, obviously with different colors. Uh, the Obviously, the Whedon version has the classic suit, uh, as I said. But uh, there's no explanation in either version of how Clark Kent, Clark Kent is supposed to explain him being back from the dead to the public. However, I suspect I know why. I suspect I know why, based off of what Snyder revealed for his original sequel plans, which is a little bit of a preview for the next episode where we cover that stuff. So anyway, we got two different versions of this epilogue ending in the Superman shirt rip. What are your thoughts on this? Starting with Dustin, now that he's recovered from laughing about Cyborg's dick. (laughs) (laughs) He's still recovering. It, 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 it begins <laughs> and ends with the tank yeah, and the yeah. mutants. Like, we, need, we don't even have to okay. talk about it. Man. Like, uh, like, that's it. That was, like, the money right there for me. Like, mm. no way, right? Yeah, unbelievable. Exactly. Right. Okay. I agree. That was the, that was the topper. <laughs> I could tell it was CGI Batman, but I was just floored by that because... Uh, yeah, that's some of the, I think, best imagery behind Batman versus Superman is its relation to the Dark Knight Returns. And, yeah. of course, being able to see that was just very, very cool. And, of course, uh, the Snyder Cuts version, I feel like everything ends a little bit more cleanly and ends on a better emotional note uh, that relates better tonally to the whole film. And my wife said the same thing about Superman... Like she's like, Whoa, how the hell are they gonna explain Clark Kent coming back to life? And I was like, Well, maybe mm-hmm. in that shot he's not Clark Kent, he's just like just a civilian. He's just in a suit yeah. and they just wanted to have that shot there. But um yeah, o- overall everything was so much better, just like you talked about it. It it ended mm-hmm. everyone's arc in the best way possible instead of squandering it like it was in the in the theatrical <laughs> cut. Yeah. Andrew. I've never read Dark Knight Returns. What? <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the animated one. Oh but no! That's you you criticize Zach for not having seen Shazam. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I've I've seen I've seen the movies, but I've not read the comic. But um, so I don't have that tie like you guys have. I guess we're going to get so many negative comments. <laughs> yep, here I'm they sorry. come. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I am sorry, internet. This show is fucked. Oh, I'm sorry. I just that's one I have not read. To be fair, to be fair, the yeah, that w- it's good. Um, 
The animated version is great, yeah. Good. Uh, but, um, yeah, everything ends on a great emotional tone, uh, like everybody else has been yep. saying. And I don't know about the Clark Kent thing. I mean, they'll have they'll explain it with some shit, like he was on a fucking reporter's mission or whatever the fuck, and he was, I don't know, tied up somehow that way. They're, they'll mm-hmm. figure out something. It's yeah. not a big deal. You know, it's not movie... It was a really long. Like it was a really long sports event that he had to cover, yeah, yeah. and he just yeah. now got back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Harry was a two-month-long soccer match over in Paraguay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This girl's softball game really went on for a long time. <laughs> that curling. Sorry, event. I was believed dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I agree with with everybody about this stuff in terms of just how everybody. It feels like everybody earned where they end up in this. So that's awesome. And also, I just realized this: if Batman has the Dark Knight Returns tank Batmobile, if there is a Justice League two, guess what Batmobile Batman is going to be using throughout that movie? Mm. So <laughs> Snyder forty seven Whedon two. Okay, so we got only a couple more things here because we're now into like post credits. Like technically, this movie is done. Once Superman does the shirt rip, that's the end of both both versions, story wise. Oh, however, by the way, pinning that real quick. I'm sorry. One thing I wanted to bring yeah. up. Sorry about that, Ben. Yeah. Is they did like what Superman for all seasons or something? Like no one looks in the sky mm-hmm. anymore. And then they, they kind of ripped, secret origin, secret, secret origin, origin yeah. right? They took that. They had that whole kind of yeah. thing for the Whedon cut, right? Was that in there? Yeah, which makes sort sense. Is Jeff Johns wrote Jeff Johns Jeff Johns wrote Secret Origin, and he also did the rewrites with Whedon on the Whedon cut. So that probably makes sense. I remember making that parallel, which I kind of like that, but I'm not enough to give points, and it ultimately probably makes no sense. It's been a while since it's, I've seen it. It's not as it's not as good because there's never the whole like you know people never look up in the sky. You yeah. thing from yeah. Secret Origin. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just just her writing "Look up in the sky" at the end is just kind of a nice Easter egg to look up in the sky from the That's classic right. radio That's show. Right. It's not really it's not an arc for Metropolis like it is in Secret Origin. Right, it's right, right, right. Meh. It's yes. a, it's an arc for the whole city basically for for mankind in a sense and in, in Secret Origin. In Secret or- yeah, 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 but not so much in the Justice League. Yeah, uh, Whedon cut. Uh, in both versions, we get a bit of a tease with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke, but they're very different in a way. We get a little bit more in the Snyder cut of how of Lex Luthor's uh, sort of uh, decoy in there. We get some exterior shots of Arkham, and then we got different dialogue between Lex and Deathstroke. In the Snyder version, Lex indicates that the doctors at Arkham helped cure him, which is very interesting and could explain why Lex never really makes the same uh, vocal tics that he has in BVS with the hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, um, He's over that. That's his character arc. Yes, that's his character arc. Uh, Lex brings up that Deathstroke is willing to kill Batman free of charge and guesses it's, quote, an eye for an eye, implying that Batman is responsible for Deathstroke's missing eye. So that could be cool. Uh, We will dive a little bit more into that because we definitely do have an episode planned uh, for covering the unmade or hopefully soon to be made at some point, Batfleck movie. But obviously I'm waiting because Joe Manganiello in like every interview spills more and more beans about the plan. So I just want him to have like 10 more interviews so that we have even more information by the time <laughs> he, we do that. He wants that shit made, dude. He's doing uh, yeah. some Ryan Reynolds uh, fucking, um, you know, Deadpool leak stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, he absolutely, that, that's his right. But yeah, in the Whedon cut, uh, you can tell there's reshoots because they have an extreme close-up on Eisenberg's face when he says, shouldn't we have a league of our own in terms of implying the Injustice League or the Legion of Doom? 
uh, as opposed to the Snyder Cut where he gives Batman's secret identity to Deathstroke to set up Ben Affleck's The Batman Movie where Deathstroke is on a vendetta against Batman. So, uh, any thoughts in terms of the differences between the Lex and Deathstroke stuff, starting with Dustin? Um, I don't know necessarily about the difference, but, like, I just gotta say, like, I love Jesse Eisenberg. What? <laughs> what? I know, that made, I know, I know that's God, not You guys are the two motherfuckers on the planet that like that guy. <laughs> Hey, Wolf, Wolfie also likes him. Oh Wolfie also likes God. him. Three people I, on I, this I planet Earth <laughs> have to be associated with this podcast. I, I swear, man. <laughs> like, I just think of it as, like, Mark Zuckerberg, like, turning into, like, Lex Luthor. I thought Mark it was Zuckerberg like, doesn't sound like Pee Wee Herman. I, I, I think he's fancy. Uh, I, I'm like, and, and you know, and everybody's like, I want the Deathstroke movie, but I'm just like, you know, I, I want more Lex Luthor too. But unfortunately, I think he is just like burned so yeah. bad on like everything that went went down. I don't think we'll ever see him like again, or it'd be really hard to like get him back. Um, and I do feel like the interaction between him and Deathstroke in the Snyder Cut was more of a, um, I'm kind of fearful of you. Um, and I hope this works out um, in my best interest, right? right? Um, like he was a, a little skeptical about bringing Deathstroke on board. So like I did pick up on that. Um, I think that was a little bit different, but um, yeah, it was fantastic. And the other thing too, I didn't know, and this is crazy, but like Deathstroke was like, uh, Flash from the original yeah. uh, Flash, yeah. Flash Thompson. Spider-Man movie. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't no want to fight me either. <laughs> He definitely looked too old to be in high school, along with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 45 Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Flash Thompson. <laughs> Tobey Maguire will defeat Deathstroke in the Batman movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Zach. Well, just the addition of an exterior shot of Arkham alone uh, <laughs> gives him a point for that. And, yeah. yeah, it actually made that interaction with Deathstroke and Lex Luthor worthwhile instead mm-hmm. of just being like, oh, let's start a league of our own instead of, like, some smarmy, <laughs> like, comic book supervillain, like, oh, you're really, like, you know, giving an important piece of information to a dangerous right. person. Like, that, you know, that was really cool. So, um Yep, obviously they're going to get the point. Snyder mm-hmm. wins. Once again, <laughs> Andrew. I'm going to reach across the aisle a little bit on this Lex issue. He's a lot better. He's a lot better in this. <laughs> yes. Than he is yeah. in BBS. He's way less annoying. I can I accept him more. Um, whatever character arc he had it, is working. So uh, I, I like that. Um, he does feel like a little bit more like a legit evil genius. And man, that fucking Deathstroke suit, bro. God damn, that's a great suit. I think that's yeah. one of the best suits I've seen on screen. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think, God, dude, they really, really need to make that movie with Manganiello. It such a, it's such a waste that they gave him that suit for one fucking yeah. well, two te- scenes, technically, with Nightmare, but yeah. It's such a good suit. It's so badass. Cider um, needs to do it or somebody. I think he'll be, really kill it. With mm-hmm. uh, you know, with making like like we've, we've said before, Snyder would be great with a Punisher. He'd be great with Deathstroke. Like these really characters that just really need to be badass, no matter what. Like even with Batman, he can be badass, but he's got the kill rule, and Snyder mm-hmm. is tripping over that a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but but with Deathstroke, he can really really go Snyder Unleashed with it. Uh, yeah. So that would be sweet. Um, love love the look of it. Really do. Um, and uh, it's yeah. I mean Snyder again, of course. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that Lex peed in the jacuzzi on that? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> No, that's that's actually what Deathstroke is drinking. That's what he's I was just thinking like, right, too. Cheers. He's watching. <laughs> he's watching it really closely. He's like, mm. step mm. inside my jacuzzi, Slade. <laughs> you better not be. You better not be serving me Still urine. <laughs> Jesus. Heavens no, Slade. <laughs> Granny's beach tea. Yeah, <laughs> it is really interesting because I I I'm with Andrew when it comes to just like I just think the sheer fact that. Eisenberg is bald now and is in a snazzy suit uh, and has less of the verbal tics automatically. So I'm just like, I actually do want to see more of this Lex Luthor. I'm not going to lie. I want, like, yeah, if, yeah, if they yeah. can get Leto to come back despite people giving him so much shit after Suicide Squad, then I think maybe if it's Zack, maybe he can bring back Eisenberg to be Lex Luthor and be this Lex Luthor, the post-Arkham, post-BVS Lex Luthor, who, you know, now looks a lot more traditional. Again, I'm just like, just the sheer imagery of it kind of helps a bit. Uh, I don't know, not to be too superficial, but I mean, I can't help it, you know? Like, it's a, that looks like Lex Luthor. If he, if I see him on the rooftop of LexCorp, except he looks like that, and he's like, a, got a piece of kryptonite in my hand, in his hands, I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, like, that is Lex. Yeah, that would Before be, even that says would be the shit, yeah. So, that's awesome. Uh, Deathstroke, definitely agree on that type of stuff. Fantastic evolution from Fa- Flash Thompson to uh, Deathstroke. And uh, it is definitely going to be cool to talk about that uh, Batman and Deathstroke movie when we get around to it but again I'm waiting for Manganiello to get a few more interviews to spill more beans on that because <laughs> he's the one Ben Affleck hasn't said shit in terms of the story it's old Manganiello being like so here's what was going to happen Manganiello is probably like <laughs> it's against it's out of, they're probably like it's it's in your contract to not spill the beans on this but he's probably like the contract Nobody gives a shit about this contract, apparently, you know? like Nobody gave him a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, this Justice League contract went out the fucking door, seemingly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Sh- like, all those rules with that movie are probably fucking gray as hell at this point. <laughs> well, it's also, you know, as we were talking about beforehand in when we talked about the behind-the-scenes stuff, Snyder is breaking the rules by providing all the stuff that happens after this sequence. So everything from the Nightmare epilogue to the Martian Manhunter scene is all new. It was all stuff that was shot during COVID. So, you know, right. it's just to spell... In his house. It's just to dispel people saying, like, oh, Snyder needed all this money to complete the movie. The movie was never complete. Like, well, no, the movie had all the raw footage complete. It just needed the visual effects added. He just wanted to add a little bit more footage towards the end because he doesn't know if he's ever going to touch this stuff again. Hopefully he will, but, like, he doesn't even know. So, to me, as far as I'm concerned, this movie's over once we get the shirt rip. Everything else is kind of just a nice, like, Snyder being like, here's where I could have gone. Yeah. Let's, it's on you guys to see if <laughs> right, I can right. go there. But if not, then you at least get this. So, uh, as I said, Nightmare Epilogue, new footage shot during the COVID reshoots. Uh, he, okay, so it is actually shot on the studio. He threatened to shoot it in his backyard. He says, oh. we don't want you to do that, is what uh. they said. And he said... I'm going to do it anyway, put up some green screens and shoot in my backyard, but they didn't have to do it. Um, okay, okay. Affleck and Leto shoot separately. Mm-hmm. That's why there's no shot of both of them at the same time. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I read at that. most, it, it pans from one to the next. Uh, but yeah, sadly, because that would have been awesome. Uh, an awesome two shot. Uh, the Joker card, as he provides to him, means the truce. And if you look back at the cyborg vision, 
where Cyborg saw the future when they were about to resurrect Superman, he sees the Joker card in half. It's been ripped. So clearly that truce doesn't uh, last for very long. Uh, also want to bring this up. Leto is missing some teeth as Joker. It's a little hard to see, but oh, I saw some... Interesting. Uh, I saw some behind the scenes, and so that, that explains why he doesn't have the full metal cap is because he's missing some teeth in the front. He still has a couple oh. metal chompers in the in the front, but it's, it's hard to see due to the color grading on this. Um, mm. Slightly controversial that apparently... People didn't like that Batman says fuck in this. Never mind the fact this is Nightmare Batman who's got a trench coat and a fucking machine gun, but you say the F word and that crosses the line, apparently. Uh, Ezra, uh, let's see. Ezra, Ezra Miller was directed through Zoom in his part, which I don't even think was necessary because he almost looks CG in this. I don't think he need, need to really be there. Wow. Um, directed to through Zoom. Physically That's shoot crazy. Much, uh, but... Hmm. Uh, and then Henry Cavill, when he lands as the Nightmare Superman, that's actually reused footage of when he arrives in Africa in BVS. Oh, and Snyder just nice, repurposes that nice, nice. Uh, on that. Uh, other tidbit is that Snyder wrote the Nightmare sequence. He actually wrote the dialogue, not Terrio, between Batman and Joker. Uh, and there's a lot of different takes on it because Jared Leto was ad-libbing. So one of the lines that Jared Leto ad-libbed was the whole, like, who's going to give you a reach-around? Uh, line that was mm-hmm. actually Jared Leto, and Leto was like, "You're not going to keep that." And Snyder was just like, "Actually, I will." So uh, that's how that came about. And then, uh, of course, we have the little nice, poignant Martian Manhunter epilogue afterwards. Another Easter egg, just to bring up, is that when Martian Manhunter flies away, if you look at the top right, you see that Wayne Manor, aka the Hall of Justice, is under construction. So hell yeah, it's probably easier to see on an IMAX screen, but that would be awesome. Anyway, uh, let's go around and see what you guys think of the Nightmare, basically added stuff. I know Dustin's a fan of the Nightmare stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like, unbelievable. And um, it's just got the creative, like, wheels, like, spinning in, like, so many different directions. And just, like, all the possibilities and the whole idea that... Um, you know, if this alternate multiverse does happen, right, that you look at Batman versus Superman yep. differently, right? Like, you know, you take that 1%, like, he was right, you know? Um, but just everything about it was so amazing. And, like, I don't know how you can watch it and not want yeah. more. Like, there's, like, no way. Like, yeah. he knew what he was doing, right? Like, he's like, I got this passionate fan base. This is going to be a hit. You know, AT&T wants to make money. I'm going to put this out here. And now everybody is, like call to action mm. um and they're not gonna let this go you know um and they keep leaking stuff too <laughs> yeah. right so um i i just i i i just don't see how it doesn't mm. happen in some way like there's just no way there's just too much there yeah. it's too good yeah. yeah absolutely exactly yeah that um whole nightmare sequence just made me want to see more as soon as I saw it, and mm-hmm. it, I do like Jared Leto's Joker better. In there, I, I shocker. <laughs> I know I still don't like his his huh. laugh, but I don't. I liked his dialogue better, and it sounded a little bit more like mm-hmm. a traditional Joker to me, like him calling uh, Mira Fishstick and Flounder and stuff. I was like, that's yeah. that was really funny to me. It seemed like something I would hear Mark Hamill's that was a good move. Joker yeah. say. And the reach around thing was funny to me too, because it's just, he would say, uh, you know, the, the things that would get under Batman's skin the most. And yeah. 
and mm-hmm. but still being a little like playful with him and i think that was that was really great uh and like i said it just wants it just makes me want to see more of that world and that whole story because it is so new and interesting it's not what we've seen before so it's not like the retreading of the same kind of visuals or you know story so it's it's kind of this brand new territory and i think that's what makes it really exciting so uh and just like dustin said it is it's fertile ground for artists um like i still would have liked to have seen willem as the joker instead of volko but uh i i will agree that i would i like jared leto better than this one nice andrew I was a little lost going into this. I was like, oh, okay, this is an alternate reality. This is alternate future. I was kind of like, I don't know. I wasn't following it for the first second, first few seconds of it. I don't know why. Maybe the after four hours, I was my brain was fried. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, once you've seen the Nightmare Batman, you put it together, right? Yeah, I, I put it together. I was like, oh, okay, this is all connecting now. But I was just like, wow, we got a crazy team up going on. Batman's teaming up with the Joker and fucking Mira's here and Aquaman's dead apparently it was just like whoa what what's going on here man this is nuts mm-hmm. um I liked it but I'm not sure if I absolutely loved it like it seems like you guys do I'm not sure it was I just like the dialogue's too long like how long are they gonna have talk back with it felt like three or four sentences too long or something between <laughs> Batman and Joker like like just punch each other or kiss already like my god this is too long of an exchange <laughs> for me for me that's what it felt like um i mean get to the action and it wasn't even about the fuck or the reach around so much because batman says <laughs> he says fuck sometimes even in the comics right or i'm the i'm the goddamn batman goddamn's close enough to that's, fuck that's different yeah that's different <laughs> close close enough close enough worse. Yeah, it's worse for some people for sure right so so uh yeah. that's it's not even a big deal but it just felt a little too long, I think. But you know, it was, it was cool. I mean, I want to. I'm definitely interested to see what will happen with that. They're going. Mm-hmm. They're preparing themselves to go fight an evil Superman. Correct. Yep. Okay. That's, that's who he is referring to. Okay. All right. So. Well, they're I just mean, like he's coming. There's no way I'm not seeing that movie. It's gonna be cool, but I don't know. It was. It was okay. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is one of those where I'm just like normally I would be like, this doesn't need to be in the movie, but it's kind of just like, uh, like I get why it is. Like if you know the behind the scenes stuff, then it's kind of just like, it's nice to have it. Especially if you don't end up getting those future movies, it's, it's still nice to have it. If I'm doing a tight rewatch where I just want to see stuff that's, that's the end of the story, then I might just end it after the shirt rip. But if I just want to see the whole thing through, I'm not going to complain. But like uh, when I, even when I was watching this for the first time, I was just like, okay, here's the nightmare sequence. This is cool. And then there's probably going to be the Martian Manhunter thing at the end. I wasn't just like, okay, Jesus. I was kind of more just like, I'm glad there's more movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm right, glad this is not right, over. Right, right, right. Uh, which is definitely not how I felt about um, the Justice League yeah. uh, beforehand. So, I think it is really interesting. I'm glad that we get to finally see Batfleck and and Leto interact, which is what we might never get after this. So it's cool on that. And then the Martian Manhunter scene, even though like I do wish if they had it up, if they had the people available, it would have been. I feel like it would have been Swanwick revealing himself as Martian Manhunter to Clark and Lois instead of him to to Bruce, since Bruce doesn't know who the hell you know Swanwick is. But it is kind of cool, just that. I really love the imagery of post-rehab 
healed Ben Affleck playing a healed Bruce Wayne in yes. daylight in mm-hmm. that lake house. And he's not like threatening Martian Manhunter, which is what usually happens in every time Batman meets Martian Manhunter. Uh, <laughs> and instead he's just, you know, he's like, I'll see you around. Like it's, it's definitely like, this is where Bruce, like it, it feels more earned in terms of Bruce sort of healing due to get, regaining his faith in humanity through forming this team, through getting to save the world, through showing that what he's done in the past 20 years can make a difference. And I would argue it's probably the best representation of Batman being healed uh, or regaining faith in humanity compared to Dark Knight Rises or what they were trying to do with Batman Forever. So uh, that's uh, that's what I love about this sequence, even though, yeah, it might be a tarnish considering what happens in the Nightmare Vision. But in terms of where he is at, in that scene of Martian Manhunter, I think that's that part is is underrated. He looks way, twenty so. years younger. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. Yeah, it's great though. Yeah, yeah. So, but if we're talking about like parts that are unnecessary, like to me, like I felt like if you're gonna cut something, I would have cut the Martian Manhunter stuff yeah. because I'm sitting here thinking, why is Batman not going? Bro. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Like we You're as powerful as Superman, yeah. right? Hmm. That's, that's why All we right. had that sketch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was too busy watching Justice League. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's a cool panel yeah. in like one of the new 52 comics where he says, he's Marsh Manor is like picking up a building and he says, people often forget I'm as strong as Superman. Yeah. <laughs> when he picks up a building or whatever. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. So, uh, I will tease our Patreon where we're going over the Ryan Troy Adam. We're going over Martian Manhunter and some other tidbits, including what I said just now about how like Batman, Batman's past experiences meeting Martian Manhunter for the first time almost always end with him threatening him. And so this is kind of a nice spin on that. Uh, and then all the Green Lanterns. Not just uh, I say all the Green Lanterns because not just we got Yalen Gurr, who was the one in the history lesson. We got a cameo of Kilowog in the cyborg vision and then we have the green lanterns who could have shown up at the end in the epilogue that snyder originally shot the warner brothers did not let him use fuck so we're going to use that in the patreon (laughs) because we've gone long enough already on this but that is snyder we end with snyder at 48 and whedon 2 so not a big surprise there but uh, i think (laughs) it was a close one it was a yeah <laughs> Snyder Woo! did to to uh, Whedon's cut what Superman did to Steppenwolf. It, uh, that beat down. That's right. That's movie. right. Uh, I I think Andrew wanted me to go a little bit into my theories in terms of oh, how yeah. the hell did we get the the Justice League real quick. Yeah. And considering what Ray Fisher has said, where like Joss Whedon is apparently butthurt about the reception from Age of Ultron, where like he did this movie had to fight with the studio. People didn't really like it. Kept saying that the first one was better. And now he's been hired onto uh, this one of the Justice League and he sees this cut and it's like, imagine in terms of the ego of like, you're hot shit until you're not. And then you see something that people are always going to compare to yours again, done by this other guy. Uh, and now you have the opportunity to uh, not make it as competitive anymore. So I feel like there's definitely an ego stroke here, not necessarily of I'm going to improve this movie so much as just like I'm going to half-ass this movie because Joss Whedon is not a terrible writer. Like he has some great comics in the past. He's had some great te- – like I was a fan of Angel when I was a kid. Like I, there's a lot that he's done 
that's good on the writing front. He's obviously not putting his best foot forward in the Whedon. I can't, like, there's no way that that's, that's him doing his best on that. It just doesn't feel that way. So, and also he has the advantage that he doesn't have his name on as a director on this movie, on, on the Justice, cut, Justice uh. League cut, even though everyone knows about it. But, like, on in 2017, it's just a directed by Zack Snyder, and the average person isn't really going to know that Whedon did anything to this. He has a writing credit, but they don't know that he did anything to this. So I, I don't think it's too conspiracy theoristy to say that this was deliberate sabotage, just not necessarily on a Marvel versus DC thing, but just in terms of just like, Psh, this movie can't be better than mine type of thing because of he's already butthurt ego-wise. Mm-hmm. He's already been bruised ego-wise, and he just wants to put some shitty version of the Justice League out just so people can be like, yeah, Whedon's Avengers was better. Weird. So that's my theory on that. It's... Yeah, it's strange. Like, he's definitely been better. I mean, I guess it's hard to put a square peg in a round hole, kind of, to use a trite expression, but mm-hmm. to, to put Whedon's style into something, a Snyder environment, um, that must have mm-hmm. been difficult. But, but yeah, I, I think that you might you might be right. We, we probably will never know for yeah. certain, because yeah. why would Whedon ever admit that unless he was really somehow forced to in a court of law somehow? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just I, I, we're rounding this whole thing out, right? Before we're, before yeah. we go to the outro. So, yeah. uh, I mean, the thing I wanted to say about this was like, you, I mean, even though I'm not religious, you, you kind of see karma really play out here as far as like how you treat people, um, how good of a guy you are. I mean, even though he's like a dark edge lordy dude with his style, kind of in a sense, the way he is behind the scenes with his actors. Look at the way Ray Fisher fucking Gal Gadot everybody surrounding him they all mm-hmm. love him they all love Snyder you know they, they yeah. love him as a person you know uh, there's there's something to be said about that everybody that I that I have met people in my line of work that have met Snyder and they've they've said to me personally I'm not going to say names because I'm already treading into hot water talking about this stuff but th- let's just say they all like him they have all mm-hmm. like my secondhand accounts they they all fucking love the guy so it's it you see like the universe like kind of you know hand him uh, hand him back kind of what he deserved based on right. his good karma that he's kind of racked up it, it kind of it kind of feels like and mm-hmm. and then like and like Whedon who used to be loved that this like the guy that did Buffy and Angel and in fucking Avengers one, especially that was when his stock was the highest. Right. And mm-hmm. then you see now it's just like the lowest of the low. And like Jeff John's not in too much good standing either right now. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like the, the comic book darling for so long, you know, blackest night, brightest day, all that shit wrote great Superman runs too. And star girl and everything, you know, like everybody loved the guy. And, and it's just weird mm-hmm. to see, it's weird, man. Like we really we we went through an alternate universe through the Large Hadron Collider. I think that's what happened. <laughs> like we're I don't know. We're just in a different world now. We really are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us on this long ass journey. That is Zack Snyder's Justice League, Snyder versus Whedon, and that is superhero stuff you should know. We have a few fan comments that I wanted to address. The first one is from Garrett Prince, who commented on our discussion about Cyborg's origin. I said in the Whedon cut, Cyborg's mainly mad at his dad for turning him into Cyborg and was like, how dare you save my life? 
Garrett does bring up an interesting point. He says, quote, Joss Whedon did show why Cyborg would be upset about being turned into Cyborg. In the scene where he showed his dad he could fly, he said he was changing daily, and he had no way of knowing how he would change next, and that he isn't fully in control of his non-organic parts, which sets him up attacking Superman and Aquaman's distrust of him. So I don't, I don't think Garrett's necessarily defending Whedon. He's just bringing up what was in the Justice League. And I'm like, okay, I agree with you, but I still think that that feels uh, weak in terms of him hating his dad for it. Because his dad still saved his life. And his dad didn't, like, deliberately be like, oh, I'm going to hook him up with a whole bunch of stuff he doesn't know how to use. Like, I think he's just, he saved his life with that type of stuff. I think that it's, it's a weaker version. As opposed to the Snyder Cut, where he directly says, like, if you were there, mom would still be alive. And I'm just like, automatically, I get it, you know? Right. Uh, next one is Trépierre Gervais. I guess this is the best. Okay. This is in response to us talking about, we were ripping apart the critique, and you probably heard this too, Dustin, where people are just like, you know, Darkseid is less of a villain if he, you know, was defeated in the past type of thing. Trépierre brings up, Quote, the top fighters for the Age of Heroes was the Green Lantern, Aelin Zeus, the King of the Gods, Ares, the God of War, Artemis, the Goddess of the Hunt, plus the King of Atlantis were all attacking, don't forget King Arthur, uh, for men. Uh, the King of Atlantis were all attacking Yuxus uh, slash Darkseid with their best shot. He had no chance. Uh, I would also argue what I said on Twitter, where I said, uh, there's a reason why it still worked in the Avengers if we're doing a Marvel comparison. Loki is the villain in both Thor 1 and the Avengers 1. But nobody said, well, Loki is a worse villain. Like, Loki's not going to be able to threaten the Avengers in the Avengers because he got defeated by Thor. The reason why that worked is because between Thor and the Avengers, he became more powerful. Now, that was just one year in between movies. Mm -hmm. Give Darkseid a few centuries in between, and that that explains it, as well as, like, every horror movie sequel in existence. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nobody, like, again, this is one of those things where we're just like, if you're... If we're criticizing that, then that shouldn't have worked in Avengers. But where were you with that? Don't worry about uh, that one too much, Ben. <laughs> we know where that comes <laughs> yeah. from. Uh, and last one comes from our buddy Sparkageddon. Sparkageddon had a surprise for us. Well, oh, yeah. he, he, he told us that. He said, quote, awesome video. Say, I got a surprise from a Batman Black Knight comic I've been working on. Right now, I'm at Act 5, and I added y'all channel as a radio talk host. So... At least Andrew and I. I don't know Hell if uh, yeah. if he included Dustin and uh, Zach mm-hmm. in it. But, we'll see. We'll uh, see. He said, Wildcard and Mannequin, who I think is his version of Joker and Harley, uh, invade it, uh, but he doesn't kill y'all. See? Okay, so the scene I wrote is dope, and y'all will love it. So apparently we get saved by Batman from Joker and Harley. Fucking Andrew. sweet. So send that over to us. Thanks, Thank, Thank you very you much for, for that. that. We are in fan fiction now. We are we have entered a new realm, new level <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast game. Hell yeah. That's what I always wanted. All right, Andrew, on to you for the shout-outs. Oh, man, thank you for those comments, and thank you to our Patreon supporters. They are Shasta, Leom O, Super Emperor Man, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noir, Asker's <laughs> Webb, Jeffrey R, Eric J, Scott V. And now we would like to thank our other supporters, Sparkageddon, SDCC Productions, Robert Schumann, Kookie Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Bowles, Ian H., Walter the Wobot, John Wells, and maybe we should add Rye Guy. Let's add Rye Guy. Let's add Rye Guy. We're going to add Rye Guy real quick. I'm going to type that in real quick as I talk. Okay, and then the next part, uh, please uh, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash superherostuffpod. The $1 tier gets you that there shout-out. But the $5 tier, whew, man, that's what you really want, isn't it, Ben? 
that's, a, that's a whole other show weekly. Yep. You get, uh, it's the most bang for your buck. Really. We have other ones, but, um, the $5 tier is one we really focus on, uh, which is a whole other show released every Friday, cancel any time. And it's a, basically a dollar an episode, maybe a little over a dollar, but uh, we do the deeper dive on that. Generally, Ben, just like on the main pod, but sometimes I lead it as well. I led one recently. Um, and then after that, Superhouse merch. Um, please check out the Redbubble store. That's superhousepod.redbubble.com. tpublic.com slash user slash superhousepodcast5000 is our tpublic one. Threadless is the other one. Uh, Superhouse superhero stuff pod.threadless.com there you may find bin man merch or indeed wizard merch or the superhero stuff you should know logo merch get your t-shirts get your mugs get your uh all kinds of shit we you, we could add a shower curtain if you wanted i mean i'm not kidding it's a red bubble option <laughs> um <laughs> so if you want a bin man shower curtain you let us know. Okay. I'll be watching you as you shower. Maybe yeah. that's not what you want. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they do have that option for some reason. Um, anyway, so uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. <clears throat> also, phone bumper. A bumper is another word, way to say uh, audio clip. Record something on your voice recorder app on your phone and then send that to superhero po- uh, superhousepodcast at gmail.com. You, too, can be on the show. Um, also, another thing that we want to do lately, we started just recently, is um, if you want to use our sketches, our audio sketches, and, and then make an animation based on that audio, we invite you to do so. Just put uh, hashtag superhero stuff you should know podcast on the video itself, not just in the descriptions. That, that way, no matter where you share it, it's going to be in the video so if it's on the please if you do it put it in the corner somewhere but it would be really cool to see some of these sketches animated so uh let us know if uh, you're into that kind of thing <laughs> so um so yeah uh and then i'm thunder wolf drew on instagram and twitter also thunderwolflives.com and thunderwolf lives on youtube there you can check out all my japanese shit um so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh that's it ben you can follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuperheroStuffPod, which is how we met these fine gentlemen with Dustin and Zach. Uh, my personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. Uh, my son's Instagram, my cat, Alfie. His Instagram is Alfie Pennyworth Cat, so please follow him. Uh, uh, well, maybe, yeah, you should follow him, even though that'll probably feed his ego. Uh, anyway, my website is Ben Juan Ryder. My channel for YouTube stuff is down below in the description. You can also check out uh, our latest, uh, well, at least my latest, that I have a children's comic coming out called Early Bird. Early Bird. Uh, and so you can check out the website earl-e-bird.com. Anyway, I will turn it over to our guests in terms of where we can find you guys. Over to Dustin first. Does your cat have more followers than you? Not yet. Uh, he's disappointed in that, which is probably why he's uh, he scratches me in the morning. I, I fully expect it will happen. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, you can find me Instagram at Dustin Lee Massey, or you can visit my website at uh, lmasseyart.space. Awesome. And Zach? As usual, you can find me on the TikToks, on the Instagrams, on the YouTubes at Zachary Jackson Brown Art. 
And you can also go to ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com where you can see more of my art and buy more of my stuff. And I'm actually wearing one of my shirts today, which is my Joaquin Phoenix Joker sure. shirt. Oh, That's right. Hell yeah. It says, put on a happy face. So if you'd like one of these, uh, hit me up. Oh, that's right. Awesome. One of my little thank you cards. <laughs> yep. Yep. So thank you very much for joining us. When we return next week, we will be diving into Zack Snyder's Justice League 2 and 3, his sequel plans, and uh, how they might have changed considering, you know, the release and the fact that he deliberately leaked out those plans. So stay tuned for that, and thank you for joining us for this week. See you next time. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all.